Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander, and I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhammer. And he's back, everybody. Steve's back. We're excited to have him back. There's been a lot happening since you, you've been away, Steve. The yeah. biggest news being I've been catching up with Marvel stuff. Oh, that's excellent. I know. We've not had a chance to chat about Marvel. It's just been me and, and Zach chatting. So so what's uh, what's the, what movie are you at right now? Uh, I'm about to start Thor this weekend, so I'll be okay. swinging my big hammer about with the wife. Yeah. And, so, and to recap, you watch Captain America, the first Avenger, uh, Captain Marvel, Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2. Yep. And then you don't. Oh, have, you're going in chronological. Oh, I'm going chronologically. Yes, oh, okay, and gotcha. I've you don't have access one to the, division as well. You don't have access to the Incredible Hulk, right? Well, depends no, what it's, it's streaming not on, on just now. It's not on Netflix. You know what, Michael? I I've got Prime I, as well. I, if it's on that, no, it's not on anywhere right now. It's I, they, it's completely blanked because it's by I, Universal. I'm going to get you. I have the DVD. I'll bring it by next time I'm in the city. Excellent. Yeah. But let's get talking about what everyone's tuned in to hear us talking about. It's football. It's Vancouver Whitecaps. They're going to dominate this part because we've, we've got quite a bit to talk about. But Steve's missed the last couple of shows. So we, ha- we have to quickly catch up and find his thoughts out on some of the issues that we've been talking about. So I thought best way to do that is to bring his own segment back to haunt him. This is Steve Panders, Whitecaps, Flash 5. So flash five time. And what we're going to do is we've talked about a lot of things that the last couple of weeks that, that Steve hasn't had his chance to, to give his input in. So we thought, let's get him to give his input now. But let's keep it brief. So I'm going to give you five topics. Just give us your, your thoughts on it. So topic one, the new MLS-CBA agreement and the fact we have a 2021 season. Yeah, I was surprised that it, it came so easily, but I can understand where the players are coming from because a lot of those players are not. If, if the see there is no season, they might not have 
anything to look for, like basically no other options in other leagues because of the MLS's contracts and everything. So I'm, I'm, I'm I wish it would, uh, they would have really stuck it to the owners a little bit, but you can understand where they're coming from. Yeah, I mean, you definitely can, especially with travel limitations and various things as well. As you say, good point. It's like there, there might not have been a lot of options for a number of these guys. Now, there is a new player acquirement tool in MLS, the young player rule. We talked about it on last week's show. Clubs can have up to three new young players, but if you've got three designated players over the age of 23, you're only allowed one. What's your thoughts on that? That's too complicated. They were supposed to make it easier, yep. and they made it more complicated. Uh, officially, Wayne Rooney will never be a general manager in MLS. He will be able to figure <laughs> it out. Way more complicated than it needed to be. Now, the Whitecaps have appointed a new director of recruitment. He's Dutch, Nikos Overhul. We'll not do any more overhaul jokes, but... He's there, he's a stats guy, but he's more than a stats guy. Finally, the Whitecaps have their recruitment department in place in their 11th season in the league. And and But this is the only guy that they're announcing as a part because everybody else is on a secret mission, I guess. Everybody else, is, nobody else is known. They, they've this, announced this... a couple of other segments of it. Uh, but, like Steve Medley's in charge of like college recruitment and scouting and, and stuff yeah, like that. But, but but those people that are abroad, they're not going to mention who they are. Yeah. They don't want to be. But uh, this guy, I, like very little known. I know little, even reading about him, very little known about him. But every every team in a club has that that guy that's, uh, you know, the math guy that if figure out the numbers and can, you know, figure out with stats how, how well a player is going to evolve and everything. So every team needs it nowadays, and it's it's proven effective if they use it in the right way. If you don't use it in the right way, you don't use the eye test as well, it's not going to be effective. So they need to do both. So we've got a, a head of recruitment. What we don't have yet, though, is a number 10. Sadly, that's not a surprise. Um, but it, it clearly they've been looking. It's just it seems like nobody really wants to come over. Um, even with the, um, you know, the, the ability to live in Utah for most of the year. Um, it's surprising that nobody really wants to come for that. So um, it's I'm, I'm shocked, but not that shocked, but I'm not surprised, but it's still disappointing to see that it is. I, I feel like I'm not angry. Like that old parent adage, I'm not angry, but I'm disappointed. Guys, what's wrong with you? Just give them one more window. Come on. <laughs> we are. We are. And the last of our Flash 5, because I know you did have some things to, to say in this. TSN 1040 is no more. We're down to one sports radio station in the city. It's a station that doesn't really do more than give lip service to, to the Whitecaps. And just basically talks about the Canucks all the time. Yeah. I mean, what, what, what is your thought on well, that? The funny thing is 1040 didn't have the rights to the Canucks. They talked a lot more, a lot about the Canucks as well. Yeah, and got uh, better ratings on the whole. And got better ratings. Yeah, exactly. I This is... Uh, really sad for me. Like on a personal level, I remember working a graveyard shift when 1040 came on the air, and I was listening like that for that first hour. That whole message they, they didn't play any music; they were just playing the message coming soon, 10 or uh, Team 1040, whatever it was back then. Uh, but yeah, it's sad that they the way they took them out too. The fact that they uh, took the people off the air and didn't even let them come on to say goodbye, um, and the song that they played and all that stuff. Oh, it was yeah. just. It was just stupid. Um, I'm glad that my Bell contract with um, 
Um, my cell phones is up and over because I'll be switching over to another company. They used money. The b- biggest thing is they use money to pay like dividends or something from what I heard at first, the, the relief money. And instead of um, keeping people under, you know, employment. Well, I mean, I've never liked the the bell on the white cap strips just because it's so big and it kind of it takes over it. I know a lot of fans are saying they won't be buying the strips while Bell's still still the sponsor. I mean, yeah. could this be the bell end? I don't know. Um, oh my god! Um, actually, you know, uh, I don't. I've never like loved loved the bell, but I actually don't think it looks horrible on there. I mean, it doesn't look horrible, but it's just it's too big for me. I don't like a big bell. I didn't get why Volkswagen and the Vancouver Whitecaps didn't come together. I know, it's like, that's that like a marriage no, made in heaven. Made, I know, made no sense whatsoever. But that was Steve Panders. Whitecaps News, Flash 5. Flash 5. Rank it, baby. So that is us caught up with all the old Whitecaps news with, with Steve. Let's get to the latest news that we've got to talk about. And there, there's some stuff to talk about this week. Training camp opens on March 1st. Now, the first week of it is voluntary. The players don't have to come back if they if they don't want to or they can train on their own or whatever. March 8th is when it's mandatory that all the players have to be back. Now, the expectation is that most of the Whitecaps players will be there but not all of them because the first week it's kind of just like the performance group with trainer strength conditioning all players will be available on Monday outside of the new international signings and also Ali Adnan who is still over in the Middle East everyone is finalizing paperwork just now so I know Ali's been doing some Instagram posts from Dubai, so folk were wondering, oh, why is he not coming back? So it's just a a kind of paperwork issue. But the training camp is getting underway. It's it's going to be a a short spell for them in Vancouver, as as we talked about with Axel. Because of the players that's going to be away on international duty, the end of the training camp's not going to be here. It's going to be down in Utah or wherever they end up being based, pretty much Utah. But whenever training camp does get underway, it looks like there's going to be a new face, a new signing. He's not the number 10, but it's a signing that's pretty exciting. Bruno Gaspar. Rock the Gaspar. Rock the Gaspar. Got to be the song the fans sing, surely. Good nice choice. Yeah. Now, he's signed with the Whitecaps. It's not likely to get announced until midweek because they're dotting the I's, crossing the T's, or in other words, doing medicals and all the international paperwork, visas and everything. But the Whitecaps did beat out a couple of German teams and a couple of French teams. It's League 1, is that how it's pronounced? I say League 1, but... Ligue 1. Ligue 1. Yeah. Anyway, the, the German teams, apparently, that they, they beat out, Zach, were Köln, and a team that I've never heard of, Arminia Bielefeld? Arminia Bielefeld, yeah. They just got promoted last year back to the Bundesliga, which they've been in a number of times before, and, uh, yeah. 
But I mean, it's, it's nice to, to see us link with a player that's got other options in Europe and he actually chooses to white cap. So, I mean, that's a positive sign to start with. Yeah, let's let's see the player play. He, yeah. he's got a he's got a seventy three ranking in FIFA twenty one. I know the white caps. You work for the white caps marketing. I know the white caps <laughs> like that. <laughs> They've got the graphic already, but I mean he he does look like he's going to be a, a good addition. Now, it's a season long loan with the option to buy, and the tag is rumored by Portuguese media to be one point seven five million. That that's encouraging, like the, the, yeah. the loan to buy. With a reasonable, you know, amount like that—that that, that's encouraging. This is um, that part of it seems like wise business. Well, he's a guy that's got experience in Portugal, in Italy, in Greece. So he's played for some big teams. He—he's joined the Whitecaps from Sporting, but he's kind of out of favour there. He's been training with the second team. He had been loaned out for the 2019-20 season to Olympiacos, won a League and Cup double in Greece with them. Previously to that, he was with Fiorentina as well. So, I mean, big, big teams you're talking about. He's been capped four times by Angola. He played at the 2019 African Cup of Nations. We don't have to worry about losing him for the next Africa Cup of Nations because it looks like Angola's not going to qualify. He was previously capped from under-15 to under-21 level by Portugal as well before making that, that switch to Angola. Now, he hasn't played at all this season. He's been training with the second team at Sporting, so he's clearly out of favour at Sporting. My only kind of concern is the lack of time that he has played, because over the last three seasons, with Sporting, with Olympiacos and with Fiorentina, in three seasons, he's only made 68 appearances. On the plus point, he's fresh. Yeah, I think that's more games than the Rapids played last year, so that's a positive sign. Yeah, and they're a playoff um, contender. Yeah. Um, but no, I, 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 I like, I do like the signing. I like the fact that they're not stuck in to buying him right off the bat. Of course, like with Ali Adnan, I think they had the same kind of thing, but they really jumped on it when they could realize they couldn't find anybody else in the summer. Uh, so they wanted to make a signing at that point. So it's good that they, they can try it out. He can try it out. Um, and see how, uh, well, I, I was about to say how Vancouver is uh, to live in, but I can't do that. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a good signing. I, I kind of wish, he, like, I know people are saying that he can play up on the wing if they need to. He really hasn't uh, played that much on the wing, but... Um, but he is, he's an attacking right back. He likes to yeah, get so, off the pitch. So if they, if they, maybe they, maybe they give that a little bit more, maybe in the MLS he can play as a wing. Maybe in other leagues he couldn't, and in the MLS he can't. My so, like in MLS, can he play as a ten? I guess we could find out. Yeah, maybe an MLS version one or something. But I mean, he he has an attacking right back, and like his stats look good. Eighty four percent pass completion record. Uh, he's good at defending, which is a is a plus, and what you want from your defender. But that that's from the smarter scout system, which is something I actually signed up for earlier in the week. Uh, someone had put me onto that and I'd never heard of it before. And then Caleb Wilkins today had actually tweeted out the stats from it. So I'm obviously slow in finding out about all these things, but it's a free service I'd recommend. It's Smarter Scout. You get five free searches a day. You can put the league that you're interested in the player coming to and it tells you how they think they're going to perform in that league. So under their system, they think he's going to be a very, very good right back in MLS sack. And the thing is, we could actually have the two, 
we're going to have the two most expensive fullbacks in MLS, but we could have two of the best fullbacks in MLS with Adnan on the left and Gaspar on the right. Yeah, which we've talked, I mean, we've all talked a lot over Ali Adnan, 53-year-old Ali Adnan's time at the Whitecaps about, you know, is that the right use of uh, that amount of money and and a designated player sl- slot? So we'll see if they... Well, yeah, as long as Gaspar is not a designated player. Well, yeah. So we'll see if he does come in, what his salary is and what his uh, designation is within the squad. And because um, that 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 plays a role in how you ev- evaluate how these people have performed. I'd imagine he's going to be a Tam Tam guy, though. At, at the most, hopefully. But I mean, the, the thing is, Steve, we've got five fullbacks on the roster. Six, if you want to include Bikel, but I'd I'd put him more as no, midfielder. Midfield, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, you, you've got five fullbacks on the right side. You've got Jake Nerwinski. We'll come to him in a sec. Gaspar, Javane Brown. On the left, you've got Christian Gutierrez and you've got Ali Adnan. Now, Jake's obviously a domestic. Guti is Canadian. The other three are international signings, so they're taking up international roster spots. For defensive, you've also got Kamiri, international roster spot. You've got Godoy, international roster spot. You've got Ranko, international roster spot. So a lot of our our international roster spots are going on the defence. The addition of Gasper also takes up our last available international roster spot. So you're either going to have to be moving somebody on or acquiring one from another team. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, when, when we spoke to Mark about it earlier on, he said, look, don't concern yourself with those. We'll be fine with those. I like this signing because, as I said to Axel when I spoke to him, I'm worried about our defence. All the talk was about getting a number 10 and helping the attack. It's the defence that's been letting us down big time over the last couple of years. So hopefully, fingers crossed, this really starts to shore it up. And if you're looking at a back four of potentially Gaspar, Ranko, Godoy and Adnan, that sounds a, a pretty solid back four to me. Yeah, but I, there are parts where I think that maybe they can switch it around too, where they don't need um, Adnan to be at the back. Because remember, he doesn't play; he's not as effective defensively. Yeah, I would even put Gutierrez there and move Adnan up top. Yeah, and and then he could play opposite uh, Diver. What how do you pronounce his name? I don't even know. Saicedo. Uh, uh, Saicedo, um, and, and he could play opposite Saicedo with you know Gaspar at right wing back and and Gutierrez at left wing back and stuff like that. So I. That that's, but you know me like like you say the defending has let them down again. I'm going to say the midfield has let them down because yeah. that's the part that helps the def- defenders play. Um, so um, the thing is, what Gaspar I like is that he's got good speed. He's not as slow um, on the wings, and that will help uh, uh, give room for the midfield to operate because the teams are going to have to be more uh, playing at width when they're defending instead of uh, clogging up the middle. So that should. Uh, uh, make some room in the middle for guys like Baldissimo and Owusu and whoever plays in the midfield to get the ball up the field. Yeah, but the, the only thing now, like with Bikel not being considered in the right-back slot, he's now more midfield. You have to then question, does that push Baldy down the pecking order a yeah. little bit? Well, we don't know. Like, we don't know what, what he's going to come into training camp. He could still win the job. And mm-hmm. maybe they play Owusu and a Bikel, alternate them and play Baldissimo with them. Because you need some somebody to play that 
uh, playmaking ability because when he yeah. was on the pitch last year, he did make a big difference. Yeah, and this is a key year for him. He needs to to continue yeah. to build now. He, he needs to get those minutes and now that he now that he got players like Vispi, like Adnan and on and them on the one side and Diver, and then don't forget, um, oh who's the I'm drawing a blank now. Who's the other Colombian? Dahomey. Oh yeah, oh, Dahomey. Yeah, you got Dahomey. Yeah. You can imagine that if he's got more space, he can he could blitz those ball out to the wide areas, and those guys can get it back into Cavalini. Maybe that's the way they build it up until they get their number ten. Yeah, it, it's an exciting squad that that's getting built for sure, and I I like this move. I think it's a great addition. I think it's what the clubs needed, and it, it's the the old adage, the old cliche: defenses win championships. And you need a solid defence to be able to get any shot at, at having success in any league. It does raise the question, though. Jake Nowinski signed a new deal. They just signed Javane Brown as well. Do you keep both those guys around? Is Jake perhaps on the trading block? Or is Javane Brown loaned out somewhere? I think of any of those options, the latter might be the one to, to loan Javane uh, Brown out. But I wouldn't be surprised one. either. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they keep them all around because Gaspar yeah. as well can play left back, so yeah. he can play both both full back positions. And I know people are saying that Adnan's going to come back. Well, you never know; he could find an offer somewhere else where he decides to go yes. somewhere else. And so this is a good backup plan. Um, the thing about Jake is, if you're going to trade him, you're going to have to trade him for an international spot. Clearly, mm. in order to, maybe that's what they do. Um, but I think. Uh, I think it's just too much right now with what they have. Maybe they're just trying to stockpile as much because they don't know about COVID and injuries, so they're trying to have as much depth as possible just in case somebody falls sick, they'll have backup pl a plan at yeah. every position. So I don't think there's any rush to, to get rid of them, but I mean, no. what, what's your thoughts on that, Zach? Would you would you loan Brown out? Would you keep all of them around? Right, right now, I'm for keeping them all around. Yeah, you know, uh, we... We've been talking, you know, offline about this, Michael. I, I found it really awkward that Jake has just signed this long-term deal and they've chosen to bring in two more right backs. <laughs> One out of the draft, who's fairly highly touted and played internationally in CONCACAF, and the other, who's uh, has extensive European experience and would be uh, not their record transfer fee, but, you know. I think he'd be the fourth fourth highest altogether. Yeah, so he'd be, he'd be up there. So, um yeah, the plan must be uh, – hopefully there's a plan. Um, the plan is either, like you said, to maybe loan someone out, um, uh, maybe maybe Brown. Although, if you're Brown, do you really – I guess because you're a draft pick, maybe it doesn't matter so much. But, but they, really they had, remember they had to sign him to an MLS deal or they'd lose him oh, to right. Canada, yeah, he, United too. He had a, US, he had a USL. A USL deal, yeah. yeah. But that was like tied to Atlanta's USL team. Yeah, right? which, I mean, normally you'd think, oh, well, he'll just go back there. But I can't see Atlanta United wanting to take a guy that's already signed with another MLS team. Yeah. Now, I could see all three sticking around like that. Yeah, I, I, I can as well. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's going to be lots of questions, I'm sure, asked about Jake. I, I think the most burning, though, of those questions is, what is Jake Nerwinski's favourite jam? What's your favourite jam? Traffic jam. What's wrong with raspberry? What's wrong with plum? How's about a blob of elderberry on a scone? 
What's your favourite jam? So if you're sitting at home at night and you're having a bit of toast or a crumpet or a muffin and you want to have some jam on it, what's your favourite jam? Ooh, strawberry. Any yeah. particular brand that you like or just any strawberry? Yeah, any strawberry. Maybe I'll go a little Smucker's sometimes. Ah, yeah. Awesome. Thanks classic. so much. You know, I'm classic. Classic kind of guy. Yeah, I don't need to spend too much money on my jam. Yeah, thanks so much, Jake. Yeah, and no we'll talk to you soon. Good All luck. Right, yeah, Cheers, man. What's your favourite jam? Ah, he's an old classic guy, is our Jake. Strawberry doesn't want to spend too much money on it. That's New Jersey Boys for you. Last little bit we're going to talk about in this section is... By the time some of you listen to this, it'll already have been released. But this week, the Whitecaps are releasing their new 2021 home kit. Now, it's been teased on Twitter. I can't be arsed with teases, I've got to say... I, I don't. What's your thoughts on strip teases, Zach? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, the one that they put out was pretty lame. St- yeah. Steve, you like strip teases? I, I, uh, no, I'd rather see the whole thing. I mean, me too. It's like just show me what you've got. That's yeah. just as quick as you can. And then the second tease was there might be a hoop. You would be excited to get that back. Yeah, the hoop is fine. I didn't mind the hoop and. But it looks like, yeah, by the second tease, it looks like they're just altering it a little bit. Yeah, um, n- not very not much changes. Much. I saw Portland, their new strip, they said they had paid kind of homage to their very first MLS kit, their, their 2011 kit. So I was a little bit worried that the Whitecaps were going to do the same because I hate that white 2011 kit with a kind of ab design. So by the looks of it, they haven't gone for that. But if they have a hoop kit, I'm, I'm going to be quite pleased. It, it's been a... It's been a week of kit releases. TFC inadvertently had their kit leaked when Josie Altador took a picture of a teammate uh, wearing the new kit from training, and then it subsequently got deleted. But that that's an interesting looking kit. But Atlanta, they had their kit release on Friday, and it's a sleek little black kit with five thin red stripes down the middle. Tweeted that out. It's had a good reaction from folk. Folk really liked that. I, I mean, I like a black kit. What can I say? Yeah, I, I uh, that one. I mean, it's awkward that it's a five and five year anniversary. <laughs> yeah, one, but um, oh yeah, it's it's a. I mean, it's okay. But they've done uh, more in their five years than the Whitecaps have in ten. Though. There was the Portland one, the one that was stitched in the middle or something like that. It looked like yeah, it it's, it's like a half and half thing. Yeah, yeah. that's one. I, I saw a picture dark green, of, half light green. I'm trying to look it up right now because I haven't. I didn't see a good picture of it. Um, I like how, I can't remember if we were talking about this last week, Michael, but the Montreal one, I like how they're using the the logo uh, of BMO as opposed to the words. Just yeah. I guess, something, something different. I like kits that are just a little bit different from the norm. And I, I still get excited about a kit release and yeah. But anyway, that is it for our Whitecaps chat for this part. We are going to be back with our feature interview next, where I get a chance to sit down with one of the new additions to the Whitecaps roster, goalkeeper Evan Newton, and we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's another song by this month's Artist of the Month here at AFTN, Scottish band Idlewild, with a song taken from their second full studio album, 1999's A Hundred Broken Windows, and that was Roseability. There'll be one more song from Idlewild to come, and you'll hear that to kick off the next part. But the lyrics for that song there, I know that that's not enough now. You could argue that that is how all the fans are feeling with regards to the Whitecaps transfer acquisitions in this off-season. You can count the number of acquisitions the Whitecaps have made on the one hand. If we add in Gasper though, it's not just the four fingers, we can get the thumb as well. Yet there's been four New additions to the squad, Gasper would make five. There's still the search for the number 10 that will be added as well. Gasper would make it six. Hopefully six of the best then for the Whitecaps. I guess we'll find out soon enough. Now one of those four additions is goalkeeper Evan Newton. A man with a lot of experience behind him in the USL. Drafted in 2011 by Houston Dynamo. Spent a season there then joined San Jose Earthquakes for a couple of seasons before making the move to the USL. Hasn't played an MLS game yet, but I think it's pretty safe to say that it will be a major surprise if we don't see him getting his first MLS minutes this season for the Whitecaps. Very pleased with the addition. He's a goalkeeper I've watched for a number of years in the USL from his times playing against WFC2, the OKC Energy in Sacramento Republic. Then when he went to FC Cincinnati under Alan Koch, watched a lot of his games there. I think it's a very strong acquisition for Vancouver to have made as a challenger for the number one spot with Max Cripot and Thomas Hassal, both of whom could be away this summer on international duty with Canada for both the senior team and hopefully the under-23s at the Olympics. And Newton adds quite a lot of experience to this Whitecaps team. Much needed experience as well for a young squad. And I got a chance to chat with Evan this week just about the move to Vancouver, his career so far and a lot more besides. So sit back, make your favourite hot beverage, grab a chocolate digestive and enjoy our chat with new Whitecaps goalkeeper Evan Newton. So delighted now to be joined by what feels like the the 20th goalkeeper to be with the Whitecaps in the last year. Welcome to the club, Evan Newton. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Now, I I know from your Instagram and social media, you flew into Vancouver at the weekend. You're in quarantine just now. 
What's quarantine life like? I think since you've been here, you've had every single weather system possible. We're recording this on Thursday, where I look out my window and it's all snow. But I know I saw how, it this morning. That was oh, weird. Yeah. How how's quarantine life for you? You know, it's quarantine life is quarantine life. You know, it's uh, luckily the the club's given me some workout stuff, like based on the program I, I do in the off season with my guy, my trainer back in in Indy. Um. And I've kind of requested some things and they've been able to get like, you know, 80, 90% of what I requested. So I can kind of continue that. And I have enough space to kind of do some of those things and to do some sports performance things. So, you know, that's keeping me sane and uh, just trying to, um, you know, be creative with, with how I, you know, I'm, I, they brought me a ball as well. So just trying to be creative to like keep some kind of touches going, catches. I think I posted something yesterday with some different like stuff I was doing, but yeah, it does get boring, you know. Yeah, I was watching videos of the the guys that were down at the Australia Open and everything they were trying to do in their hotels to hit balls and do all the these drills yeah. and stuff. I mean, it must be weird. You're in a new city. Normally, when you go to a new city, whether it's holiday or work or whatever, you want to get out and explore, but but you can't do that just now. I, I know you've been to Vancouver a few times in your career. I've watched you play here uh, during the USL days. Sacramento, I remember you being here, OKC as well. When you made those trips back there in like 15 and 16 and 17, did you actually get a chance to explore the city? Yeah, I did some. And I had some friends that played here, you know, uh, Kyle Gregg played here, um, Stephen Betashore played here, you know, and some different friends. Uh, those are just two off the top of my head. Um, so, you know, when I'd come in, we'd, you know, they'd take me around or we'd go out to dinner or something. And, you know, I've been over to Olympic Village and grabbed dinner over there at one of the restaurants near the water and uh, and, and been around, you know, been downtown and, and you know, I've seen the city a little bit and I always love coming here. It's, it's an amazing city. Um, it has to be one of the top in North America and potentially top 20 in the world, I'd say. So um, I've been to a lot of different countries as well. And this this city is incredible. I'm super excited to you know live here and and uh, for my family to experience it, my wife hasn't traveled much and she actually has never been out of the country except for um, like the Bahamas for like a probably a resort or something with friends back, in, you know, years ago. So I'm excited to kind of experience the city with her and, and see, you know, experience a new kind of thing with her. I've never lived outside the country. I've, I've been outside a lot, but it'll be a fun, like new challenge, like not it will be a challenge, but also just a, I think it's going to be an awesome experience for my family. Yeah, I mean, ho hopefully at some point we can get some games actually in, in Vancouver this year and you, you can yeah. get them up and stuff. So, I mean, obviously you're here yourself just now. Is the plan that wherever the club ends up locating, your the family will just come in and be with you down there? Yeah, uh, wherever we end up going, um, my my wife and kids will meet me there. You know, I'm, I'm fortunate that, you know, she's American, so um, it's not... I mean, it's tough for us right now because of the situation of me being here for preseason and all the planning. Um, but, um, it, you know, once once we get together, I'm, I'm just fortunate. There's a lot of guys, you know, going through stuff with foreign wives and girlfriends and stuff and and fiancés, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm fortunate that that she's American. And once we kind of settle in somewhere, um, you know, we can be together and, and there's not as many stresses then. Yeah, it's going to be be way easier. So, I mean, let let's talk about the, the move to Vancouver. 
Now, obviously, when you're in MLS, you don't have a say on what move you take most of the time, but you were playing down in USL, so I would take it that when the Vancouver Whitecaps came in for you, uh, Indy spoke to you, asked if you wanted to, to do the move. What what was it that persuaded you to, to come to Vancouver and have another shot at MLS at, at this point in your career? There's a, there's a couple of answers to that. And um, first is like, there's a lot that I still have to do and, and I want to do. And like, I know I can do. And I, I you know, I, I left the MLS years ago to, to pursue a long-term career. I have an awesome mentor in John Bush and, um, and other friends and mentors as well, but he's one of my, probably my main guy. And, and back in the day, even he said, look, man, you got to leave, man. You got to go show what you can do and play and grow and, and get experience. Cause that's the only way you get better. And you can st- stick around the MLS for another couple of years and kind of like jump around team to team, which there's a lot of guys that do that, but like, you're only going to last so long because you know, you're not getting better or experienced. So I left to ultimately, I kind of went backwards to ultimately hopefully come go forward again, you know, to get back in the MLS in a position where I can compete to play and, and where I'm not just kind of like, you know, the, the, this, the guy that no one cares about, you know? Um, and so, you know, I, if you're not, if you don't want to be at the top, I think, first of all, if you don't want to be at the top, if you're in the USL or any, any league and you don't want to, you're not striving to be the best you can be at the top, top level, then like, I don't, what are you doing kind of thing in my mind? Like, what's the point, you know, what's the point of playing if you're not trying to, to, to challenge yourself constantly and and get to the highest level you can. So I left for a purpose to get back in. Now it took longer than I originally expected. I thought it would maybe be a couple of years, get games and get back in. And, and especially when I did, really well for like two or three years in the usl and i was like okay and then four years went by five years went by still doing really well and you know almost every year kind of ended you know almost every year in the usl that i've been um and like i feel like i've been a name as like in the goalkeeper of the year talks you know and like and and so like to consistently do that year after year you figure hey man i'm gonna get a shot you know if you're doing that year after year in the second division, like in most any other country, you're going to get a shot. You know what I mean? And it it took longer than I kind of thought, but I just stayed, I stayed faithful. I stayed like confident in myself and kept working and, and just trusting the process and, and, you know, hoping that like, you know, look, this is going to happen in my time at the right time. And I feel like this is the right time, you know, and I was, I'm fortunate Vancouver came out for me and, and I think this is a, a great place for me. I think this is the right place for me um, to be able to work with a young goalkeeping group and a good group that we can challenge each other every day. And, um, you know, and, and a, a club that's like, I feel like they're, they're valuing me and, you know, and, and just a, a coach, a coaching staff that um, I feel like I've heard nothing but amazing things about. And, and um, so I'm, I'm excited to, to work with, with everybody here and, and hopefully, you know, be someone that can, you know, come in and, and, and really help, you know, grow on what's going on here and, and help, you know, get the club back on, you know, the front foot, you know? So um, I'm just excited, man. I mean, it's been a process for me and to leave for the ultimately long-term, a lot of people look at short-term in the right now. And I try to really like over the years have a long-term mindset and, and um, 
I feel like I still have a lot left. I feel like I have a good six to eight, you know, years left at least. So my body feels great. I feel my mind feels great and um, I'm excited. It's almost like a, 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 a new career for me. You know, I feel like this is, you know, time to build like the last uh, third of my career, you know, or maybe half of it, who knows how long. So, well, yeah, I mean, in goalkeeping terms, you're 32, so you've got a lot of, of years ahead of you, and you're coming to a young team. It's like you're you're now the old man or on the team, or one of the old men on the I team. Know, I think I'm like the second oldest, so. Which is kind of weird to think. Now, I mean, you're, you're, you're coming to a team where, I, I joked at the start, but there was obviously lots of goalkeeping issues last year. It was like, all my years of watching football, never seen anything like that with a team. But this season, you're coming to a team where... You've got two guys at different levels of the Canadian national team set up. Depending mm-hmm. what happens in, in Olympic qualifiers next month, the two of them, Thomas Asal, Max Kripo, could both be away. I think the expectation from a, a number of fans and media is you are going to get minutes this year, you're going to get game time. It would be your first minutes in, in MLS. Was knowing that all that was maybe a factor, was that one of the things that helped persuade you to, to come to Vancouver? Yeah, well, speaking um, to Mark, you know, he said he kind of laid out like, look, here's what your role is. And and then I, like coming in, this is your initial role. And then from there, like it's, you know, it's what happens, you know what I mean? Like whatever happens and what you do with it. And um, and, and everything I've heard about Mark is he's a very like honest, fair guy and and um, and just a good you know, player manager. And and um, and you can trust him. And, and that's been a problem for me in the past. I've. I've had problem trusting a lot of coaches so I feel like I really thrive under a guy like that that would just tell you straight up like good or bad what's going on and that's and that's what I that's what how I thrive man if because because players know when when they're doing bad and when they're doing well but you don't want to hear you're doing you're doing fine when you're not and and then there's nothing for you to change to like ultimately you know get on the field or whatever so um, I'm also excited to work with this group you know uh, two younger guys that um, I've heard are also good, good dudes and, um, and we can push each other, man, you know, and, um, and that's how you get better too. I've always been a guy that even as a number one at, you know, over the last seven years in the USO, like I've had good goalkeepers behind me and I, I give, I give advice, I push them. And that's one thing John taught me when I played under John and, and as my mentor, he's like, man, if I'm, if I'm helping you get better every day, then that means I have to get better every day because you're, you're, you're coming for me. So it ultimately helps you if you're helping other people. And so, you know, I want to help them and, and push them and, I, and that's going to ultimately push me and, you know, and, and that's going to make, be better for the team um, because the guy in goal is going to be sharp and, and doing well. So yeah, man, I, but getting minutes is definitely something that intrigued me. Like obviously uh, it'll, it'll be a chance for me to get on the field in MLS and, and show what I can do. And, and uh, hopefully during that time, um, you know, uh, do really well and help the team win. And that's, you know, ultimately all I can ask for to, to get put in a situation like that is, you know, what an opportunity. And it's not like you're going to like, just sit behind, you know, like Brad Guzan or something who's, you know, you're never going to play behind him just because of, you know, the money he's on or whatever. It's like, Hey, come in, compete for your spot. And um, you're going to get some time and, and, and we trust you. We want to bring you in because we trust you. You, you've like shown that consistently over years of your career. And, and uh, we, and I think that's ultimately why, what, why they brought me in and what they wanted was a guy that they could, they could trust right away, you know? And, um, 
and and yeah, so I'm excited. Yeah, I, I think Mark's told us before that the goalkeeping situation, he's going to leave up to Youssef, the goalkeeping coach, and whoever he feels is the strongest at the time will, will get the nod. But I, I guess I watched you in the USL days when WFC2 were here, but primarily at Cincinnati when Spencer had gone there and I, I've known Alan Koch for, for quite a few years, so I kind of took an interest in Cincinnati then. And, I mean, it always felt that the call to get into MLS was going to be coming because you goalkeeper of the year in 2018 at Cincinnati. But the call, it never came, or at least you didn't take it. But Did you have interest from MLS teams before now to get back into the league? Yeah, after my year in Oklahoma, in OKC, obviously Jimmy Nielsen was our coach there, who's a, you know, a Kansas City legend. Yeah. Sporting Kansas City legend. And, and um, you know, in like about a month, month and a half left in that season, um, I was having a, you know, a, a good year. And um, he said, hey, they, I think they want to bring you in and whatever after the season's over. And, and we just finished out the year. And then just the situation that happened, it was like a tip. You know, unfortunately, a lot of times in the U.S., in the, in the MLS, sometimes it's kind of like, here's the crumbs. Like, do you want to take it or not? You know, and yeah. because almost because they can do that. There's not a lot of other competition in this area of the world to like the other for other places to take players. So, you know, I've tried to like keep value on myself over the years. I didn't I didn't want to just leave for like nothing. You know, I wanted to I, at that time, I felt like playing was important for my career. I just finished my second year as a starter but I, I still felt like I needed to play more I, I still felt like I needed to grow more and I was you know I sacrificed kind of like the big the big lights and the money you know at the time to continue to build my career and again had the long-term mindset so they wanted to bring me in but it was like hey you got to pay for your hotel while you're here for two weeks you got to do this and I'm like well you don't really want me that bad if I have to do all that Jeez. you know so I'm like, no, thank you. Thanks for the offer. But I was like, no, thank you. You know? And, um, and then since then, you know, I went to Sacramento, they were supposed to get MLS like the next year after I got there. And the whole thing they were telling me was, look, we want you here for MLS and like a guy to compete to play when we go MLS. And then that just fell through. And then while I was in Sacramento, it was, um, I was in the process of maybe like renegotiating a contract and like, and then I found out because I just was very close with a lot of people in that city and in the club. And I, I, I loved it in Sacramento. It was, it's like, you know, my heart will always be there. And, you know, well, part of my heart. But it's a great place. I had a great time. And anyways, they they were like, uh, we were renegotiating. I found out that like, they lost like their majority owner, like the, the big money guy. And I heard that Cincinnati moved to the top. And I got word from somebody that Cincinnati was interested in me. So my agent and I called them and literally it happened like two days and went to Cincinnati. And then obviously, I, you know, not a whole lot I could do otherwise at Cincinnati. I mean, you know, I, I felt really good about that year and, you know, and um, it just, there are some reasons why it didn't work out. They were kind of out of my control and, you know, I, I've, I was a bit bitter for a little bit. I, I have to admit, but, you know, everything happens for a reason. Like I said, um, over the year, the last couple of years, I, there's good people in Cincinnati, but I mean, probably wouldn't have been a great situation to be in Cincinnati. You know what I mean? With the, with the years they've been having. So every, everything works out if you, if you work hard and, and, and just try to, you know, be a good person, work hard, like things will work out for you in the, 
you know, at the end, you just got to keep believing. And I I've done that and I've tried to make long-term moves and it, but it's been hard because you feel like you're right at the light. Like you go to Sacramento and you're doing well and then it falls through and you're like, man, I went there for that. And then like, I kept going to the, like the clubs that were like at the top, you know, in the USL when they were at the top and thinking like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to make the move. And it just kept falling through. And then you, you know, you start, then I go to a huge, a big club like Indy and, and luck. And then had some, you know, injury stuff the first year, but had a good year and, and I've battled back and my body feels amazing. Now I feel better than ever, man. I feel like I'm really, really good. So, um, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to be here. And I think it's just the right time as, as to kind of loop it back around to earlier. I think it's the right time for me and I'm excited just to, to get going. For anyone listening that doesn't know you were drafted by Houston way back in 2011 and you had a couple of years with San Jose. Now, also at the end of last year, there was the weird situation where New York suddenly took you to the, the CONCACAF Champions League game <laughs> as, as, a, as a keeper, which seemed just completely out of the blue. But was there ever any possibility of you signing with them or was that always just like, we're desperate, we need a goalkeeper, here you go? Yeah, I don't really know, to be honest. Um, you know, after after I was there, they were like, look, this is just short term. And that's what I was told. And so, you know, I, I went there like hoping to do well. And, and I knew their their number two was leaving. And, you know, and my wife's from New York. So I'm like, this could be an awesome situation just for family and the kids and whatever. But again, you know, now that when you look back hindsight, you know, like now that I'm here, it's like, I'm glad I didn't go there, you know, so it's one of those things where in the moment um, you're just kind of things, the, this business is crazy. And I, I want to say this for people listening. If, if, if you're someone that like is younger and wants to play, like you have to believe in yourself first and foremost and, and work. And, and it's easy to give up. And like, there's so many times in, in these years that I could have given up and just like said, look, this isn't going to happen. Like I've done my business in the USL. Like, let's just start something else. But I've, I've continued to believe and work my butt off. And um, I'm just super thankful for this opportunity and grateful. And, um, and, and yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited. And so that, that particular, like, other than that, after that kind of, this was like, hey, cause I got, I got COVID while I was there. So I didn't even go. Oh, geez. <laughs> the funny, the funny story is, and you're, I'll break it here is like, I went there, my, my, on the way there, the, the muffler on my car, like, like busted so i had to get my car fixed while i was there right because i drove because of like the covid stuff you know so i'm getting it fixed we're like sean johnson's lives like a few minutes down the road from like where they're keeping me and so he's just taking me into training every day 40 minutes each way so i uh uh someone came down with it early in the week then we shut down for a few days and then we came back to training. Someone came down with it again. And then the next day I tested negative in the morning on my rapid, but my PCR at night came and I trained that day and PCR came back positive. So I trained three days and then like four days before the champions league, like I come down positive and then who am I riding with every day to training? Sean Johnson. Oh, gee. So, so he didn't like, he didn't, he never, uh, he never like tested positive. What a, what a good guy, by the way. And, but, um, I think just for safety reasons, like he made a decision and, you know, 
that's ultimately why the you know the other guy played. <laughs> wow, so I, I, I knew maybe, I knew that they had maybe, taste. I have, maybe I might have had a chance, and then I get you know I'm I'm part of the reason uh, Sean Johnson doesn't play. So maybe that's why they said no thanks. I don't know, but um, that's out of my control. But you know, I had three days, and then ultimately it was just I had a quarantine there for ten days. Like I I trained for three days, and then quarantine ten. And I got back like three days before Christmas. So it was just, it was a crazy. And the only other thing I was supposed to maybe go into Chicago this preseason, if I was still in Indy, um, cause they had some injury stuff and they weren't really looking to sign anybody, but I was just going to go in there with the intention to like make it so that like they can't not sign me. You know what I mean? So, and then this just pops out of nowhere. So all again to say, like, you just got to keep working, being ready and you never know when something's going to like come up and, I'm just like I said. I'm super thankful. I'm super grateful, and I'm excited. I want want to touch on your time in Cincinnati. Not too much, because I, as you said there, you were a little bit bitter when it ended. But I mean, I watched a lot of that season, and mm-hmm. I, we watched it because oh, Spencer's gone there. We wanted him to do well, and then it's like oh, how come Spencer's not playing? Then you watch the games, and you're you're playing out your skin. You get the Golden Glove for the league, and you had a great season. First of all, the Golden Glove aspect. How weird was it winning the Golden Glove when you finished the season not the the, the number one starter and having hardly played anything towards the end of the season? Look, it was a very confusing time for me and, and for a lot of players. In the team, yeah. To be honest. Um, I don't want to speak badly about anybody, but um, that was a coaching decision. Um, not really, you know, I don't really think I ever got any clarity on what happened there, but, um, essentially from what I know, and I'll tell you what I know, and I don't really care because, you know, it's not nothing bad, but this is just, the, this is the truth, but I'm playing, playing well. I get a hip injury because that turf is, is, was pretty hard at the time. I just get a deep bone bruise. We're about to play, uh, I think, uh, Penn FC, I think it was the team in Harrisburg on the weekend and uh, it was bad bone bruise, but I was like, I want to play. Like, I don't want to sit out. And so the exact words to me were like, Ev, this is like verbatim word for word. Like Evan, like, you know, you're, you're not hundred percent. Spinny's going to play. He's hundred percent rest up when you're, when you're back, like you'll play. Like you're, our, you're our number one. I said, okay. And then the next weekend was, I think Charleston battery and I didn't play again. It wasn't fully. What happened was I came, I had, I didn't train for about a week. I came back Thursday before Charleston and I, and he was kind of, I could tell he was kind of watching me like most of the training to see how I was feeling. And I had a terrible session. Like, to be honest, like it just, it just wasn't, I wasn't back yet, but I wanted to play. I got it. Cause I, I know how sports are, you know? And he, he comes to me again and says, uh, you know, like I'm going to give spinny a not again. And I'm, I'm, but you're going to be on the bench. And I'm like annoyed, but I'm like, okay. And then, you know, um, it just kept going. And I got like three out of the last 12 games. And I just, I just personally felt like I'm like, dude, you know, I, I just, I just felt like I got kind of like, you know, not that Spinny was losing or doing bad or anything. It's just like, I've, I've done all this so far this season. And like, now you just turn your back on me. That's how I felt. And then, and then there's no like explanation. And the worst is like when you're hearing it from like every coach that's coming to play you and you're like afterwards shaking hands and like the players and like, what the heck is going on? Why aren't you playing? You're like, I don't know. 
And then like you hear fans saying stuff and it's just like, you know, I learned from those situations. You learn how to deal with them better and you learn how to grow. Um, but it was, you know, it was tough. And, and you put a lot of pressure on yourself because I'm like, this is my, uh, my other big, my next big chance to get back in. And I felt ready at that point. And, um, you know, and then it just kind of like felt like it slipped through and I had no control of it. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, that's that's kind of how it went down from my perspective. Like it's the exact conversations I had. And, um, and the th- one thing I was proud of myself for was like the three games that I got in the last 12. I made sure I was ready and I, and I had really good games and, you know, I made, um, you know, it, it, and the, it was weird. Cause when I won the golden glove, like you're saying, like, how weird was it when I won the golden glove, we're in the locker room and we're sitting there and Alan like says to the team, like, Hey, um, we want to congratulate Evan. And like, I hadn't been playing and like, there here's like, congratulate me for like the golden glove. And I'm just like, it was like, for me, I was just like, you have to be like, as a coach saying that to the guy winning the golden glove and he's not starting, you have to be like thinking to yourself, what is going on? You know, it's just, it can't even be like, it's not even real almost. So it was just, it was just a little bit, it was just, but a lot of guys were like going through it at that club. Like um, things were not particularly handled the best. um, I don't think by him. So yeah, not to, not to, it's not trying to dog him. I just, there's a lot of guys that, you know, got, didn't get handled well. and, and, um, And, and so I'm not the only one. It it seems tough when teams are going from USL and MLS because like you've seen it with a, a few teams. Minnesota is another one. There's a lot of guys that you thought might make the jump that didn't. To be honest, I think you probably dodged a bullet because that first season in MLS for Cincinnati was like an awful season. But I mean, you ended up going to Indy and you've been working under a former Whitecaps head coach in, in Martin Rennie. How did you find him to work under, and has did he speak to you about life in Vancouver or give you any tips? Yeah, no, like you said, like I, like I mentioned earlier, I think I kind of dodged the bullet, you know, like, um, you know, there's some good dudes on the Cincinnati team, and and but you know, like I don't think that would have particularly helped my career as much as like playing at a top the USL club, as much as like it, I was a little bit bitter at the time, but you know, Indy's a top club and you know, at the, and we were doing well. I mean, we played Cincinnati in preseason and beat them, you know, that year. And it's just preseason, but still, you know, I'm just like, so, um, like I said, I think I did dodge a bullet there. And, I, and again, you have to just trust that, the, you know, again, have faith and just trust that like, you know, you're on the right plan, you know, like sometimes it doesn't make sense, but, um, yeah, Martin was great. Uh, re- really good guy. Um, you know, really, uh, helped me and continue to grow. And, and as a, you know, as a person, as a man, I had some good talks like man to man and just like helping me in my personal life sometimes and things like that. So, but like, uh, really just really res- respected, uh, him and, you know, his level of like care for players off the field and, you know, and, uh, he allowed this, he didn't kind of stand away from me to come here. Like co- coaches could easily done that, but, um, you know, even though, you know, I was bought, you know, um, he didn't like stand in the way. And, and so I, I, I enjoyed playing under him and good guy. And, and obviously um, supported me through the years and, and, and believed in me to, to and wanted to help me get back to where I wanted to be. And so I'm thankful for that. And, and he, and he obviously spoke very highly of, of Vancouver. About a year ago on our show, we did a, a kind of goalkeeping special 
and we spoke to goalkeepers at the club and some other things and it's a very unique position. Folk obviously talk about the goalkeeper's union, folk always talk about you've got to be a little bit kind of crazy to be a, a goalkeeper but it's also such a difficult position because there's only one guy that's playing and usually yeah. barring an injury or them having an absolute nightmare it's tough for the backup to to get in now you've been a starter now for years you you've led USL you've left USL as the leader in clean sheets and and all-time saves what kind of mindset does it now take to go from that to at least starting off potentially as as the backup and knowing that you're not maybe going to be playing every week yeah you know i'm i'm ready for a challenge man i'm just ready for a new challenge i think um you know i i've been in the usl a while and and and, and done that i was i'm ready to push myself again to to get to even more higher levels you know and um and I think one example is Cincinnati. Like I had to be pushed because, you know, Spencer's a good goalkeeper. Spencer was coming from MLS and he's also like really close with like Alan Koch. So like, I knew that like everything was against me for me to play. So like I had to be on it. And like that brought out like an even better version of me that had been before. And like, if I'm doing that on a year to year basis, it's going to keep like taking me to new levels. So I'm just excited for new challenge. I, you know, I'm ready to like be a good teammate and have fun here and just enjoy my football. But I'm also going to, I'm also going to work. I'm also going to push. Like everyone wants to be on the field. You know, I'm not, um, I'm not bred to be a guy that's just, you know, on the bench, but at the same time, I'm going to support everybody. I want to help the other guys. I want to, you know, I'm not going to be like a, a bad teammate or if I'm not playing terrible, I'm just going to keep working and, and, um, and I think that's the mindset like you always have to have is just, you know, you want to be on the field. You're going to push to be on the field. But at the same time, like we want to make it a fun working environment. And I, I want to help the other guys, too. And and I hope they help me and we all get better. And and then, you know, whatever's going on, like that's the coach's decision on who he wants to play. But, um, but yeah, it's again, I'm just I'm excited. I'm excited just to continue to push myself as a player and. And, and just continue to get better. And then whatever happens from there is that's, you know, the decision of the coaches. When you look back at your career so far, I know you've been involved in some big games. You've had some exciting penalty shootouts, uh, both <laughs> like even going back to college days and stuff like that. Man, you've done your research, huh? I, nothing else to do just now. I've been, as I said, <laughs> I've had 24 hours of Evan Newton doing this. You have followed, you have followed <laughs> if you know some of that. So, <laughs> so, when you look back at all of that, is there any particular games that, that stand out as you look back in those and going, you know, that, that was one of my best ever games? I, I'm not going to say, like, this is my one of my best ever games playing-wise, but I want to say, like, one of my most memorable games was, like, OKC Conference Semifinals, Colorado Springs at home. We're at home against them. Um, probably 8,000 people. And... Uh, and it was like packed, you know, and like everyone's close to the field. It was just like a really loud, cool environment. Um, and it was just like, like to, to make the winning penalty save. And then like literally everybody stormed the field. It was an awesome, awesome uh, kind of experience and, and just an awesome moment. You know, another one that was cool was like winning, the, you know, winning the league with um, 
Cincinnati and then like the last last home game which I was fortunate to play and they but we played against Indy which is funny because I go there next the next year but you know like 32,000 it's like you know one thing about Nippert and one thing about Cincinnati is their fan base is incredible I have you know you, you can't deny that and it's loud and it's and what fun games to play there but that one was just packed 32,000 we won we won three nothing so it was crazy and then we like celebrated a after on the field with like the supporters shield and it was just that was a really cool moment and just a special year man I mean what a, a special team we had was with great group of players and guys and and just what we accomplished as a team like you, you know you'll never like forget that you know what I mean yeah I I I miss the USL days here um <laughs> like it, towards our final season I I got to do some commentary for the team as well which I I really enjoyed but I, I loved having the team here and I like lower league football. It's just what I've, I've grown up to, to, to do. You've always been involved from what I can see in the local community as well with everywhere that, that you go. So I guess just the last thing to ask you, why is that important to you? And is that something once we get kind of back to normal times that you, you'd be looking to do in Vancouver as well? Yeah. Great question. I appreciate you asking that. Um, yeah, for me, like football, like I struggled and like probably a lot of people, I, I've struggled with my identity being in football, if I'm completely like honest with you. Um, and and kind of through my through my faith, I've grown in and like and just uh, I, I've struggled that like football is who I am. That's what people know me as. If I'm not doing well in football, then who then I'm not like no one cares about me kind of thing, because you get stuck in that over years and years. You think your values and, and your football and how you're doing. And it's. um it's and so like I really like over the years have grown into like you know what like like kind of my motto is like football is my it's my passion but it's not my purpose you know and so my purpose is to like ultimately how can I you know be a better like help help through football and how can I like be an influence through football and 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 make things better I think um that's ultimately I think a lot of people do a good job of that and then sometimes we forget that like ultimately this is a game and we're very competitive. We want to win, but you know, how, how can you use your platform for the good? And especially with so much negativity going on these days, I think it's super important, but I guess there, there'll always be that clash of good and bad, but um, yeah, I mean, I just, I've been very involved in the hospital, especially in Sacramento because we had a really good relationship and I, I literally would, you know, I'd go in there once a week on my own, like no media. I asked, I didn't want any media or anything because it wasn't about that. It was just, that's something that I wanted to do. Just, I was big in the children's hospital and that was really um, an awesome time. And it, uh, Cincinnati, I did some of that as well. Um, and then Indy didn't have a great relationship and we never really got in, in the pandemic for like half the time I was there. There was a lot of stuff. So I, I would love um to get to get back into that, I actually was talking to Nathan last night about, uh, you know, getting with uh, him and the community relations people, and and that's something I'm really interested in is is doing work in the children's hospital, and then just involved, you know, just getting into community in general with appearances and things. Um, just any way you can like help, and, and my kind of thing that I've enjoyed is is trying to be a a morale booster for for the youth, like kids that maybe don't have a way or need some kind of mentor. I enjoy that or, or just kids that just need a boost that are in the hospital and 
they just need a, a good visit and morale boost because I've, I've kind of learned through it all that being in the hospital and being sick and the kids like that's that's the best thing you can do is just show up like it's not the money it's not all these things that that stuff can help but your morale is like 90% of it like them keeping their spirits high and and staying like belief that things are gonna get better and and once that drops it's it's tough so you know anybody that is listening like just show up for friends or family that if they are sick in the hospital because it's like stuck in I mean if you think quarantine is bad like imagine being stuck in a smaller room and you can't get out of the bed and the rooms are just like white and they smell like, you know, it's just, it's just not a, it's a tough situation to stay positive in. So um, I would, I would love to kind of get involved there here, you know. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today, Evan. I've really, really enjoyed chatting to you. Same same here. Thank you. It was fun. So some great stuff from Evan Newton there, really enjoyed chatting to him. It was originally meant to be a much shorter chat, but we just got gabbing away. Actually, ended up speaking for way over an hour. Not all of it obviously featured on the show there, but we, we did some of our fun segments with Evan as well. So that will be featured in some future episodes. But as I said to introduce that, I, I'm pleased to have Evan here because... We're going to need our backup goalie this year, and I think we showed last year that we certainly need to have a, a good experience backup. And although he's not played an MLS minute, he has got that experience. All-time leader in the USL for clean sheets, all-time leader in the USL for saves. A, a, a great a, a addition to the team. He brings good experience. It sounds from that interview that he wants to be here for the long term. He's going to challenge the current keepers, and I think that's what you need on the roster. He's used to being a starter for the last seven or eight years on the whole. Now he's come to fight for his spot. Can only be good, Steve. Yeah, somebody that wants to uh, prove that he is at that, is should have been and always is at that level. Um, I'm surprised it took him this long to get to the level, though. Uh, but sometimes it's people, they think, and goalkeepers have a longer, um, you know, career in in football so i can expect him to probably play at least four or five years six years at least yeah i mean he, like, he, could he proves play himself. Up, yeah he could play up to his 40 technically and yeah. and still have another eight eight seasons ahead of him i i think it's a, a good addition to the squad there was some interesting stuff that he said there zach about that there'd been some kind of interest from mls clubs uh, in the the last few years which is understandable when you're the, the Golden Glove, the goalkeeper of the year in the USL in 2018, you're going to attract some interest. So he did get interest from MLS teams. But basically, from what he said there, the, the money that was offered, it, was no, it wasn't decent money because he's a backup goalkeeper. But also as well, like saying that he gets invited for trials, but if he goes to the trial, he has to pay his own hotel accommodation and everything to, to take part in the trials and the training camps. It, it's a shame... And we've talked about this before, that defenders, goalkeepers, under the whole MLS salary cap, they're just not valued. Even the starters aren't really that valued, but backups in particular certainly aren't valued. Yeah, that's um, that's so MLS, I guess. 
you could say. Uh, that's sad and unfortunate. Because, um, well, I'm pretty sure the Whitecaps have brought people on trial that they didn't make make pay for their accommodations based on things I've heard. That, that's that's stunned me actually when he revealed that that's what it's like oh you can come on trial but you have to pay for your own travel and like accommodation it's like yeah it's fine i'll just stick with the club i'm with thanks yeah and i might, I might be wrong what I, what I just said but i'm pretty i'm pretty sure anyway i'd be surprised like it, it genuinely shocked but, me that that's but if you happens. think of it but if you think of it if the team's not interested in the player and it's just the interest is coming from the player well, then Maybe. that's understandable that, you know, you can come and trial, but we're not really interested. You could definitely try out. Yeah, but he's been invited to the trial. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that part. Yeah, yeah that's, that's weird. Maybe I could see, like, maybe you're, like, depending on the level of interest, I could see your, like, transportation not being paid for, but definitely, like, your accommodation. Accommodations should be, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, we've obviously had keepers here that's been on high salaries that haven't been the starter. And then, I mean, the last couple of years we've had that as, as a situation. But I think what Evan's going to bring to this team is going to be some real competitiveness between him, Max Trippo and Thomas Asal. I still think the long-term plan has to surely be to, to loan Thomas Asal out because he needs to be playing. He needs to play for that development. And you've got a great backup now, and Evan, if that proves to be the case, challenging for the sports, and then he, he he strikes me as a guy that when he gets his opportunity, he's going to take it. The, there were situations previously in Cincinnati where he was the starting keeper, as he talked about there, and then lost it through no fault of his own, and just didn't get it back again. And, I mean, you don't become a goalkeeper of the year in any league without being a top-quality keeper. So, hopefully he's going to be here for the, for the long term. He has played three games in Vancouver before. He's made four trips here, but played three games. Never won a game. He's drawn two and lost one, but he has kept a clean sheet. He, he was here in 2015 with OKC Energy, 2016-17 with Sacramento. Now, he talked there in the interview that part of his heart is in Sacramento and when he went to Sacramento it was with the thought that Sacramento was going to become an MLS team and that was back in 2016-2017. Now that that didn't work out. Now you kind of have to think if things work out for Evan here long term and he does well and proves that he's an MLS keeper, Sacramento coming into the league in 2023 you'd maybe think oh he could be an automatic guy that's maybe one of their three goalkeepers to to be on the on the squad but the question which has come out now the the late fr friday afternoon news drop is sacramento even going to have a team now in mls in 2023 because but we'll cover that now just to round this part off some stunning developments which I think caught everyone by surprise. Ron Burkle, who's the co-owner of Pittsburgh Penguins, he acquired the, the Sacramento MLS expansion team in 2019. They were meant to come into the league next year, 2022. COVID pushed that back to 2023. Now, the plan under Burkle was he was going to be building a $300 Soccer specific stadium in Sacramento. That's You've a already... that's million, a right? Million, right? You said three hundred dollar. Oh yeah, million. <laughs> three three hundred million dollar. It was a super cheap stadium. I, I think my Sabuto stadium cost about that. But yeah, three hundred 
million dollar soccer specific stadium. You've already got a great fan base and supporter culture in Sacramento. Excited to, to see them coming into the league and they should have been in way before now. But now, Burko has pulled out and said he is not taking this expansion opportunity up, leaving Sacramento without an owner. MLS are speaking to the mayor of Sacramento to see what can be done. But you've got to think there's going to be lots of other markets keen to, to jump on this. Before we get into that, what, what, what were your thoughts, guys, when you heard the news that, that this had happened? It was shocking, but um, there's been a lot of weird stuff going on. Well, not with Burkle himself, but with the organizations he's with. Uh, if anybody's heard, um, uh, the Penguins, their GM resigned out of nowhere. Oh, I didn't know that. No. Um, yeah, uh, that general manager, um, and and that was a surprise when that happened too. So it's a, a kind of uh, um, surprise that these things didn't happen. Maybe he's got something involved in that or something. I don't know. Um, hmm. But I know uh, there was a, st- uh, a statement. I don't know if you heard of this state, late statement. It came late Friday that uh, Kevin N- Nagel, uh, the actual now the current lead owner, it says that there is much more information to come up about how we will continue the journey. MLS. Oh, so he, he's he's still saying that there is going to be a like they're still going to MLS. Um, maybe they have some backing. I know the uh, Sacramento Kings um, owner is pretty well off, so maybe there's maybe they can get something there. I know that's the only other big club in the I mean uh, team in the in the league or whatever. And and yeah. their and their seasons don't really overlap, so maybe it's something they they can do. And definitely stadiums don't overlap. It, it um, was weird having a Pittsburgh guy. As the owner, anyway, you'd, you'd yeah. think there would have been like more local interest, but I mean, Zach, this is a team that deserved to be in for a couple of years with, with the fan base and just everything that they've got going there. Yeah, I, I mean, it is uh, it is sad. I know, and yeah, this came down on Friday, but there has been I forget I, earlier this in the last couple of months or whatever. I know there was discussion about them. Um, missing or not having made payments towards their uh, towards their fee to MLS or whatever that was a concern for people. Mm. Um, I'm assuming this is connected to that. Yeah, um, I mean, all they've said is it's COVID related issues, but I mean that could be you could use that for anything. It could yeah. be that you've just lost loads of money because of COVID, or just I, I I don't know what it is, but I mean, there's got to be a few other markets and cities kind of rubbing their hands at the possibility would, of of maybe getting in now ahead of them. Which would well, be a shame, which would be a shame because I agree with you. Like having been there, having seen how Michael, have you, did you go to Sacramento? I forget. Haven't you, been to okay. there. No, it, it's great. Like it is. I've driven re- through it. They they have. Uh, you're right when you talk about the supporter culture there. I don't know how things are in this moment right now. But I know like when things started out there and uh, I guess we went down the first year of WC2. So what was that? They were in like year 2015. Yeah. So they were in year, I forget what year they started, but they, they've been around for a few years. Yeah. They had and they've the- done everything right. Like their, yes. their crest was fantastic yes. and everything they did to build up the supporter culture there. to the state and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It was kind of cool. And the supporter culture was heavily influenced from Portland. Like I think there were a bunch of people in Northern California who were either from Portland or fans of Portland and were like a, a timber armies, Northern California group or whatever that kind of set the set the tone for things there so they had a lot of really good things going for them when i've told this story on the show before but when we when we went to that game it was like me and mass and slamo and my family and i think i can't remember if dan and joanne joined us for that one but they like 
they were so welcoming and so awesome. Like the supporters, we went to the supporter gathering before the before the game, and then just the people from the club were so gathering. And I remember, I don't remember all the details now, but I remember one of the guys who worked in the FO at the club came to talk to us and you know introduce himself and ask if we needed anything or whatever. But he was just like going on and on about the about their attempt to get an MLS. Mm. And I remember at the time him saying, "We have all this money lined up." And at the so this is 2015. It was like. He's like, we have $250 million ready to go for investment as soon as we the word says go for the stadium, for all this stuff. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that that wasn't this guy from Pittsburgh. I'm pretty sure it was someone. Oh, yeah, it, there was other folk involved before. Yeah. Yeah. And then this guy took over. But, I mean, Steve, sure. it would be good if Sacramento Kings owners came in. Yeah. You look around some of these other teams. Uh, like sticking in California, you've got Landon Donovan involved with San Diego. Yeah. You've got Drogba involved with Phoenix. There's some big name players with teams that are on the outside looking in, trying to get an MLS team. That that's going to be like sharks in the water here. If, and don't don't forget Vegas either. Vegas oh yes, would be another yes. team that would want to uh, city that would want to go. Um, and the other thing is, I was just looking at. Um, uh, the athletic article on it, and it's got obviously two guys that are well connected: Paul, Paul Tenorio and uh, yeah. Sam Steckles, uh, Steckel. Um, and um, um, they said that the uh, that they are going to be starting to look for uh, other owners, so it's not good. But they still got a couple a year at least to figure out what's going on. Yeah, hopefully. Um, and then uh, the other bad news about this is is. Uh, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Burkle was also the lead investor in the Sacramento NWSL team as well. Oh, was he? Was, uh, supposed to kick off in 2023. So it's a double hit uh, for the fans down there. Ooh, yeah, it's a big, big, big blow for the, the soccer community down there. I know our, our good friend Navid's down in Sacramento as well and was really looking forward to it. Yeah. Burkle said that the uh, in the same article, it says it's, um, uh, it's rising uh, construction costs and the pandemic's impact on his business mm. uh, was, were the two main things that uh, led I mean, to I, I can understand that because their expansion fee, it's a lot of money to be shelling out. So I, I do understand that. It's good in a way now that they weren't joining next year because I don't know where that would have left. And they've got two yeah. years to try and sort something out. Just have to cross fingers that they do because I really, really want them to to be part of this league. But definitely it's, an interesting story to keep an eye on. It's just a matter of how greedy the um, uh, because, uh, it's also because of the pandemic how greedy the owners and the Don will be in mm. order to get some other money in instead of Sacramento. Well, and, and especially if the other yeah. uh, if the other cities offer more money or the owners from the other cities offer more well, money. You're you're looking at a league that's crying poverty and losing a, a billion dollars. So it's like, how set are they on having that team in Sacramento or a third Californian team? Or do they now feel there are better options? I guess we will find out soon. But that is it for this part. We are going to be back with our new feature. Taking a little trip in the TARDIS and going back in time to watch some football matches. And we'll be back with that after this. Hey, I am Axel Schuster, and I'm listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. In the beginning, there were answers, then they came along and changed all these questions. 
and their answers seem to change. So I'll wait till I find the remote part of your heart. Nowhere else will let us choose a comfortable start. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's the final song from this month's Artist of the Month, Scottish band Idlewild, absolutely wonderful song there. The last track from their third full-length studio album, The Remote Part, that was In Remote Part slash Scottish Fiction. A song that's kind of in two parts, and a song that I love, it's four minutes long. So what I thought I would do is kind of splice the beginning and a bit towards the end together just to kind of capture both elements of this song. The, the reason for that being the, the first half of the song is the band singing, and the second part of the song is just the, the band playing guitars, the swirling guitar sounds, and then the spoken word poem Scottish Fiction by Scottish poet Edwin Morgan, just kind of playing over it. There was a, a poem that was especially written for the album and, and for that track, in 2002 and it's just fantastic you can you can check out the poem in full just just google scottish fiction by edwin morgan morgan sadly passed away in 2010 two years after doing that recording he was named scotland's first ever poet laureate and he's kind of considered to to be one of the the finest scottish poets of the 20th century so you really enjoyed that song. Hope you've enjoyed all the songs that, that we've brought to you this past month by Idlewild. We're going to have a new Artist of the Month in next week's show. Who is it going to be? Well, it's going to be very different, really, to, to what we've had this month. So stay tuned to find out who. So on last week's show, we kicked off our new feature, Football Time Travels, where we kind of take our guests in a little journey in the TARDIS to go back in time where they can revisit any three matches in the history of football. It might be matches they've been at. It might be matches they've played at. It might be matches that they just wish they had been in attendance at. We kicked the section off last week with Axel Schuster and we got an absolutely fantastic response from the listeners Lot of tweets, lot of emails coming in this week. We're not going to go through all of your replies this week because we want to keep this going over the next few weeks of this show. But before we get to those, let's jump in the TARDIS once again with another special guest. This week, it's Whitecaps midfielder and academy assistant coach Andy Rose. Let's see what games he uses the TARDIS to go back in time and revisit.
I'm a big Doctor Who fan. It's If I could get the TARDIS for a week, all these different places and things I'd love to go in history. Then I got thinking football-wise. What would I want to go back and watch football games-wise? Which it could be a game, in your case, that you've, you've already played in, you want to relive it, or a game that you watched as a kid, or just a, an iconic game. For me, the pinnacle would be watching East Fife win the Scottish Cup in 1938. It was like a big history thing, and it's just, it would be wonderful to be at an occasion like that. So, the question I put to you, Andy, was if you could go back in time to any three games anywhere in the world throughout football's history, what three games would you pick that you would want to go and watch? Yeah, I mean, when you, I mean, it's such a difficult question because obviously there's, there's so many different eras you can choose from. There's historic matches that obviously before my lifetime that I've heard all about. Um, immediately when when I read your question, three, genuinely three matches popped up in my mind. Um, and so I'll go with those three just because they were the first three I thought about. The first one, well, four actually popped up in my mind, but I'll go with these three. The first one was, the 1999 Champions League final. They're all actually Champions League finals. I love ah. the Champions League. Um, you know, United v, v Bayern. And that was my mate's selection as well. He's a Man U fan. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was I was nine years old at the time and I remember it clear as day. And uh, I mean, just uh, just incredible. That, that team made me absolutely fall in love with football. Um, 2005. You know, Liverpool v AC Milan again. I was 15, and I remember exactly where I was, and I remember it whole second half. Um, obviously, Steven Gerrard just been uh, grew up idolising him as a midfielder, and um, seeing him drive his team on to Champions League glory was that was one of those games that I think nobody will ever forget. Um, you know, when I think about perfect football in my lifetime, I think you have to probably the top, top case has been the 2011 Barcelona side. Um, so the Champions League final between Barcelona and United. Um, that Barcelona team was probably the the most fun team I've ever watched. Just, um, I mean, incredible to watch Messi in his absolute prime and uh, just what a team. So those, those were the three I immediately went to. My first real footballing memory i i can remember actually watching a match um i was six years old it's the 1990 euro 96 england v scotland when gascoigne scored that incredible volley yeah i remember where um, i was when i was watching that i was in a pub in fife and it was not a happy <laughs> i bet it was I, <laughs> I wasn't sure if i should put my top three just as a respect to you but i will mention it was it'll be my honorary number four because i I, uh, I had such an incredible time in Scotland. I think it would be harsh to put it in my top three, but it was, it is my first, um, you know, memory watching football was, was that year in 96 tournament. So I'll throw it in there as well. Ah, that's fair enough. I just remember the missed penalty and just the deflation in the pub. And it's like, we're all like, oh, <laughs> just from that, that high to that low. I like yeah. talking about like that Liverpool. I, I, I hate Liverpool. I always have, but to be in the Terracen, for that Champions League comeback, even as a non-Liverpool fan, just to to be in amongst that would just be absolutely amazing. 
I mean, just just legendary, right? Um, a game you'll nobody will ever forget. I remember the Man U one because I was at a works go karting thing, and they had the the football on in a TV just as we were doing stuff. So we were keeping half an eye on it, and then it had been one 0 and then we looked and we saw the it was two one. We're like, what the hell's happened in the five <laughs> minutes that we went we weren't watching anything. <laughs> Some great selections from Andy Rose there. Zach and myself gave our selections on last week's show, so we'll, we'll get to Steve's shortly. But before we do that, I just want to read you some of our listeners' contributions to the feature. I'm going to kick off with a couple of emails that we got in. So we're going to kick things off with Eric Hedden. Now, he's picked three games which is very focused around his national team, which is Sweden. So the first of those is June 29th, 1958, the World Cup final between Sweden and Brazil, a final at home with Pelly playing in it. I don't think I would care that we are losing. It would have been pretty magical anyway. I it certainly would like to, to be able to watch your country play at home in a World Cup final would be magnificent. I kind of got to experience that in 1989 when Scotland hosted the the under-16 World Cup, as it was then, and Scotland hosted Saudi Arabia in the final of that one. Lost that one to a much older-looking Saudi Arabian team, as I've talked about in the show before. But I think that would have been a a magical one for Eric. Sweden against Brazil in Sweden, just a fantastic occasion. And the other two matches that he's gone for are, are both from 1994. Now, the first one, July 10th, Sweden versus Romania. I remember watching this in the middle of the night back home in Sweden and hearing the screams from around the neighbourhood when Ravelli saved the last penalty. That game was in the quarterfinals of the 94 World Cup in the US. 2-2 after extra time. Sweden went on to win that game 5-4 on penalties. And Eric's final selection is from the same tournament. It was the third place match, Sweden against Bulgaria. July 16th, 1994. Eric says, This was football magic in Sweden. Players did things we didn't think they were capable of. They really picked Bulgaria apart and rightfully won 4-0. Now I wish I could go back and be there and celebrate this victory. And that team, they made an entire nation dream of football glory. It was certainly a, a Swedish team of the ages and yeah... If you're a Swedish fan, to have been there and to see them go that deep and to be at that game, third place finish, absolutely fantastic stuff. I actually got to watch Sweden play in that World Cup. I was at their 3-1 group game win over Russia at the Pontiac Silverdome in Detroit. We also had tickets for the last group game against Brazil, but unfortunately we had to fly home earlier than planned. So never got to see that, but the, the Swedish fans, from what I remember, were absolutely fantastic for, for that tournament. And yeah, a great run from them. So three great World Cup memories there from Eric. We also got an email from Steve Levitt, and he says, These are my three picks for football matches I'd like to be able to time travel to. Number one, 
Canada's Men versus Honduras, St John's, September 1985, the game that sent Canada to Mexico 86, and the game that also got him hooked on the World Cup. His second one, Scotland versus Japan, men's under-20 in Victoria during the under-20 World Cup, July 2007. He said he was in Vancouver at the time and watched a broadcast of a game from Royal Athletic Park. The atmosphere looked and sounded great. As I have Scottish in-laws, this would be the match I would want to be at. And his final selection is Canada's women against England, 2015 World Cup. He went to the game and he just loved the vibe downtown and the crowd during the game. Wish we had got a better result, but it was a lot of fun and my fondest memory is when Christine Sinclair scored near the end of the half, grabbed the ball out of England's net and raced to the centre spot to try and get another. It was definitely a, a fantastic tournament and yep, that's the, the kind of stuff we're wanting to very different international-based ones there. One in Sweden, one in Canada, with a little bit of Scotland thrown in as well. And that's what we want to hear from you. So send us an email like Eric and Steve, aftncanada at hotmail.com. Let us know what three games you would like to use the TARDIS to travel back in time to. A reminder, if you need it, it could be a game that you'd already seen. It could be a game that you wish you'd been at, or some moment in history like the very first World Cup final that you would just love to have been a part of. So let us know those. You can also let us know on Twitter as well, at AFT in Canada. And that's exactly what a number of you did this week. So as I said, I'm going to keep some of these for future shows, but I'll just read two of the replies that, that we got on Twitter. One, Jonathan at LOJD Vancouver. The three that he picked, the first one, the 1966 World Cup final, the 1979 Soccer Bowl, two great occasions in footballing history. And the third one that he selected was a a game that he actually did attend, but would just love to go back in time and revisit. And that was the 2000 Division 1 Championship, as it is now, playoff final with Ipswich. It was the last ever game at the old Wembley Stadium, and an incredible game, 4-2, incredible atmosphere. I'll never forget walking down Wembley Way with a sea of red and blue. And the final time travel adventure we'll bring you this week is from Angus Walker. He went for the 1979 Soccer Bowl. I wish I knew I'd be living here back then, he said. 2008 Champions League final. Well, not for the match, but just for seeing the point where John Terry slips. And his third selection, the 2006 USL final match. After going to every home match that season... We moved back to the UK the day before, so I was hanging out of a second floor window at my sister's house with my laptop, trying to steal a neighbour's Wi-Fi so I could hear the commentary of the match. Funnily enough, I also listened to that match online in my bedroom in Glenrothes and Fife, because I knew by that point I was obviously moving over here and I had taken an interest in the Whitecaps, so I just remembered listening to, to the stream of that in the late hours of the day. Yep, that would have been an momentous occasion. The Whitecaps seeing off Rochester winning the USL Championship. But at least they got to do it two years later on home soil at Swan Guard. And thankfully, I was there for that one. So some great stuff. Get some more into us. We'll bring you another section of that in next week's show. Zach and myself 
picked our selections on last week's show. This is the first time of Steve joining us since we, we started this segment. So I thought we'd get Steve's selections tonight. So Steve, if you could go back in time in the TARDIS, what's the three games that you would select to go and see? Okay, so number one, I would do the uh, 2000 Gold Cup uh, final. Um, I think that was like probably the, I think it's actually the anniversary, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the day today, the, the day we were filming. I no, thought I saw that on Twitter. Oh, because it was, I know no, it was no, February, it, yeah. It was in it January. Was, no, no, it was no, in it was, February. It was definitely February. Oh, okay. Because we were going to do an anniversary last year, and then we thought, remember that it was in February. Yeah, because we thought it was going to be July, and we thought, yeah. oh, we'll, we'll save it and we'll do our big show in the summer about it. It's <laughs> like, oh, we've missed it. <laughs> um. So, um. yeah, I, I think I saw on Twitter today, it was the actual anniversary. Today was the day it happened. Well, there's another um, another anniversary we need to talk about. Like, you're right, it is today. And then um, the other one would be um, the '79 game, the Whitecaps. Love to be ah, there. Soccer Bowl, yeah. For the for the final there, and then the final one. Um, Zach's not going to be happy about this one, uh, but the '99 uh, Champions League final. Understandable. I just like to be there so I can actually watch it because I actually turned off the TV and missed uh, the goals. I was recording the game. Uh, but I was so upset that they were going to lose and not get the treble that I turned off the TV and just walked away. And then I, but luckily I, 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 when I turned it back on, I re- quickly rewound it and saw what happened. So it's, it's unfortunate that I missed it, but I would like to be there just so I could see it live or just I, even on TV. Yeah. I remember, oh, actually I'm going to screw this up now. Now the thing is, the reason why I didn't pick any games earlier than that is because um, unless I was able to take on uh, somebody else's appearance, I probably wouldn't be allowed in some of those early games in the <laughs> 40s and 30s and stuff like that. So that's why I thought, don't go too far back, because there were some games I would like to see far back, but I, go, I might not be let in the stadium. Oh, yeah, yeah. don't want to waste your trip in the TARDIS and then get turned away at the turnstile. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my. Um, that Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think. I'm, sometimes I confuse 99, 2001. Because 2001, I know for sure I watched on tape delay that day. Um, 99 was definitely uh, available live. I know that. Oh, well, no, they I, were available live. But I, I skipped school for that. 2001, I, I know I watched in my basement on VHS the day of. Because it was before, you know, there was no social media. There was, you didn't have to worry about the thing getting spoiled for you. Mm. I went home. Well, I, was, I was actually in college, so I could choose to not go. It's not like I was going to I was in college, too. Cheryl was actually, I think, interning in... Uh, that was May, yeah. She was interning. I think Cheryl watched it with me. Unpaid? 2001, not 99. 99, 99 I either watched live or, again, I watched it on VHS in my basement. But, no, I probably – because I remember 95 was the first time my parents let me just take the day off school, and I went downtown with, uh, with the guy oh. who was the best man at my wedding. Oh. Um, but 95, I remember going downtown, going downtown to, like, Little Italy to a sports bar and watching – Ajax win one nil over over Milan uh, in Austria at the I think it was the Arnold Schwarzenegger Arena or stadium and uh, Cl- Patrick Kluivert scored the only goal and he did the he took off his shirt and spun it like turned it around and whatever but I didn't take it off he he, he kept on on his shirt but he he spun it around on his body so that his name and number was on the front. But yeah, great selections there, Steve. Um, some great selections from our listeners and Andy Rose as well. So keep them coming. I think it's fun and interesting just hearing what games people pick and their reasons behind why they pick them. Some of them are very special to them. Some of them are just because it's a historic occasion or just something that, that's really stuck in their mind. So we'll bring you another one with another special guest in next week's show. Of course, 
This is a, a podcast that I guess we, you could say we kind of travel back in time a, a lot during it. You could say that my humour and musical tastes are certainly stuck in a different era. Different times, Zach, different times. And I guess that's never truer than our selection on Wavelength, but not this week. I was trying to see if I I could try and find a a Wavelength song that we hadn't played that would kind of tie in with time travel or going back in time, but I wasn't able to dig that out from the the ones that I've got still lined up to play, so I'll keep working on that, but we'll kind of see what we can come up with. But for this week's Wavelength, I'm not going back in time. I'm not playing a punk song. I know. Surprise, surprise. What I am going to do, though, is... Since we've had Evan Newton on the show, a goalkeeping legend in the USL, I thought I would bring you a song, actually sung, by another goalkeeping legend, one that retired in 2019, and to celebrate his retiral, he actually brought out a single. In conjunction with Roger Taylor, yes, that Roger Taylor of Queen, the man in question, former Chelsea and Arsenal keeper, Petr Cech, and the Czech international brought out a song called That's Football. What did it sound like? Let's find out.
That's football. Goalkeeping legend Petr Cech there with Roger Taylor from Queen. That's football, released in 2019. Some would say maybe escaped, but I, I don't mind it. It's a little bit different. That was this week's wavelength. You'll be all glad to know normal service will be restored next month because it's time once again for Football Violence Awareness Month. We'll have that all March long. I'm sure you can hardly wait. But let's get back to more football chat now and the gift that keeps giving. CF Montreal. It's been another eventful week out in the east coast of Canada and we'll be chatting about everything that's happened there after this. Hi, I'm Maxim Kripo from the Vancouver Whitecaps and you're listening to the EFTN Show. Yo, the carnival. Sober at the circus, see life at just a particle, living in dark times, hope it's worth it, the circus. The circus life get too caught up in the hearts inside the circus. The circus life, lonely time, shut the curtains tight. First thing the light goes, then jaws will drop like pine cones. I'm repping it, mate, with the right flow, some dickheads that'll walk on tight ropes. Hit any circus now, you'll find those a hand keeps going and mate, their time goes. Seen it all before, see they come and go and then talk some more. Got fucking animals, weak men that are taxable, deep men that are practical, sheep men that are laughable. One weird guy that looks like a turtle, some play hoops and go round in circles. There's some grump all the muscle, made the circus plenty hurdles. Here, so we're at the carnival. So we're at the circus See life at just a particle Living in dark times Hope it's worth it The circus The circus life Get too caught up in the hearts Inside the circus The circus life Lonely time Shut the curtains titles. Welcome back to the final part Of this week's AFT and Soccer Show On CITR Radio 101.9 FM And kicking off this part It's a blast from the past We haven't featured this artist For a while I think this was one of the first songs that we did feature by him. It's only Scotland's finest rapper, Mad Hat McGore, with a song from his 2012 Rampant EP that was The Circus. And of course, the reason we were playing that song to kick off this part is it's been a little bit of a circus out east for CF Montreal this year. There's been the rebrand that has not gone down well with fans. And then last week, we spent a bit of time on the show talking about the will-he-won't-he-go-to-Bournemouth saga surrounding Thierry Henry. So we recorded that on last week's show. It came out on Sunday. I was worried whether it was going to be, like, timely. Would he have left quite soon after that? But then on Sunday, Bournemouth announced that they were not appointing a permanent manager for the rest of the season, instead giving the interim job to current interim coach Jonathan Woodgate and then they would take a permanent decision on who was going to be the manager come this summer. So that looked like Thierry Henry was going to be sticking around in Montreal until at least the summer. But then came the bombshell news on Friday that Henry had decided to stay in the UK, was not coming back to Montreal and was leaving CF Montreal with immediate effect. Turned out he told the club on Monday of his decision. The reason cited was personal reasons regarding his family and the difficulties with kind of having his children over in the UK while he was based out of Montreal but also playing in the US. Totally understand that decision. It's been a difficult year for all the coaches and players and everyone, the staff, with all three 
of the MLS teams that have had to not call Canada their home and, and go and play in the US. But timing of this, not great. Training camps getting underway for Montreal this week. They had just appointed a new assistant manager in Laurent Simon. We'll, we'll come to that later on as well. So where does that leave the club? Well, searching for a new manager for one thing. After the news broke on Friday morning, Montreal President and CEO Kevin Gilmore and Sporting Director Olivier Renard held a media conference call just to discuss Henri's departure and what that means for the club right now. I jumped on that. I'm going to bring you some audio from that just now and then we'll get into the the talking points coming out of it. So I'll bring you what I feel were some of the most pertinent discussions held from that conference call. So let's hear now from Montreal's Kevin Gilmore and Olivier Renard. Uh, last year, as I've said before, was very difficult on this club uh, across the board, uh, but especially with those that had to be uh, spend three or four, four of the four last months of the season uh, outside of Montreal and the prospect of starting the season like that again is very difficult and it's taken its toll on a lot of people and obviously it's taken its toll on, on Thierry and his children and, and he made a difficult decision, um, although I keep saying when you make decisions based on family, they're always good decisions. Uh, to stay in London and uh, give up his position as the head coach of the club in order to be close to his family. Uh, You fully understand it. But, uh, I mean, how long have you known about this? Um, And and the fact that you're you're making this announcement uh, basically a week and a half, less than two weeks before training camp, uh, I mean, could Cherry have not informed the, the organization of this sooner? Well, I, I don't know if you, I know that Olivier answered the chronology in French, and I'll, I'll go through it in English so you can understand the chronology of events, Herb, and, and preface this by saying there is no deadline or, or time frame for personal decisions. Uh, they can come at any time. Um, but uh, Thierry came back in the market after going home over the holidays, over the break, came back in the market in the last week of January in anticipation of a start of camp so he could, uh, he could uh, do the 14-day quarantine. I saw him at the training center on February 8th, chatted with him briefly. Um, uh, he was stepping into a Zoom call. I was on my way out, so we didn't talk very long. And the next day, he uh, told Olivier that he needed to fly back home uh, to deal with some personal issues. Uh, his children were struggling with him having just left, and he needed to go back home. He called me two days later, I think, to tell me the same thing. I told him, we understand anything we can do to help you let us know. Um, uh, Olivier spent some back and forth with him on a number of things, preparing for camp, uh, finalizing uh, some details for the start of the season. And uh, last Thursday, the 18th, is when he reached out to Olivier and myself, and it, it, it gave us a sense that he was leaning towards not coming back, at which point uh, we worked with his agents, um, uh, even ownership was involved in discussions with, with him to try and find ways in which we could make this easier for him and acceptable from a personal standpoint. And he told us, he informed us of his final decision this past Monday. So uh, is it perfect timing? Absolutely not. But like I said, there is no deadline or prescription date on, on personal decisions. And we fully understand uh, where he's coming from um, 
the situation he needs to address personally. Uh, and uh, we're going to move forward and do what we need to do to make sure that this club is ready for the start of the season. Kevin, I wonder how, how, how do you reflect on Thierry's time with you? And listen, was it, was it a bit of a surprise, this announcement? Surprised, yes, uh, because obviously our plan was one to uh, bring in Thierry here for a, for a long term and, and uh, in partnership with Olivier to build uh, the identity and the successful franchise we're looking to build. Uh, uh, not surprised, though, by the circumstances. Um, uh, I've said this numerous times. I think very few people can appreciate how difficult last year was for this club and Canadian clubs in general. Uh, with having to basically live home away from home, uh, out of hotels, out of suitcases, for an extended duration of, of time with the expectation that you continue to, to do your job at the best of your ability, uh, without factoring in the mental and, and the mental toll this takes on people, whether it's coaches, staff, players, etc. So, uh, you know, this is, uh, uh, no one anticipated, when we hired Siri, no one anticipated we'd be going through a pandemic uh, of this uh, of this magnitude, and that it would disrupt our lives and our operations and this club to the extent it did. So I'm I'm, I'm surprised, but but given the circumstances, it doesn't shock me that this has happened, uh, given what he went through last year. And on on um, maybe I'll let Olivier answer this, the first question, which was kind of his assessment of the first year with Thierry. Yes, in my part, um, and, I, and I explained already many times that uh, the vision that I had with Thierry was very positive and the result that we make, okay, we can make um, better and better. We know that. And uh, we make also many, many transfers the last, uh, last uh, weeks. Uh, all the transfers were in agreement with, uh, between me and the coach. Uh, but about the situation that I explained uh, already many weeks ago, uh, Thierry like to work with young, young, young guys, young players, and he make uh, he make a great job uh, about the football side, but also about the, the personality and uh, the vision that uh, that uh, that, uh, that Thierry learned also to to live with many people outside uh, in a, in hotel. When you stay four or five months with people with the same people, you need also to adapt, and uh, he make a great job about that. And, uh, and I need also to need to say thank you for what he made uh, last year with us. And uh, it was uh, a big example for, for many of us. Given the, the timeline that you laid out, you know, to what extent have you begun searching for a replacement? I mean, what contingency plans were you maybe making even as far back as late January? I have already a few names that I, I will uh, take contact uh, as soon as possible when the 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 conference Zoom is finished, I will, I will start. Uh, and it is why also I want to, to wait until this moment. I know that if I, if I call it uh, yesterday or three, three days ago, agent of, uh, of a coach, first of all, was not for me respectful for about the cherry. And I know that if you, you take contact, uh, there was already so many rumors around cherry and around the, the club. That I, I don't want that on that moment. And uh, for me, that don't change nothing if I need to wait two days extra or not. Like I explained in French, if we are in the middle of the season and you need to take the decision about the coach, that means that the results are bad and you have uh, emergency. No, we have also emergency, but not the same emergency. We need to, 
to stay calm, to, to try to find the, the best coach for our philosophy. And I will try to make that as soon as possible. What effect, if any, uh, the approach from Bournemouth might have had on Thierry's decision? Um, did, it, did it make him think that he might have more options in England if he chose to stay there? Do you think it created a wedge between him and the club? What, what did those rumors and, the, and, and their approach, uh, what, what, what result did that have on this decision, do you think? Bournemouth was nothing but a rumor. Um, uh, there was no one uh, contacted us asking for permission. Uh, there were no discussions between the club and Thierry. He was not out there talking to clubs. Uh, this is something that, I mean, uh, the, the timing is odd, but came out of nowhere. And there, was, there were no discussions at all, either on our end or on his end with that club. Speaking to Axel Schuster out here in Vancouver, we've talked about the difficulties that Canadian clubs face and going into this season. Vancouver's plan appears to be to, to bring family units down to wherever they're going to be based, bringing the wives, the kids, renting a, a apartments to kind of help ease that strain. Is that something that Montreal are looking at to kind of make sure that this situation maybe doesn't arise again? Yeah, right now we're trying to um, we're we're trying to finalize things, and and the goal is to make this as uh, as easy on not just players, but players and coaches and staff, because we've got the support staff uh, that's being asked to do the same thing. So we're 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 putting the final touches on everything. We haven't announced anything, and obviously before we do that, we're going to speak to the players and let them know exactly what the plan is. Uh, so, uh, but but having said that, the goal is to make this. As, um, as, as home-like a situation as we can make it, uh, uh, given, given that at least for the next few months we know uh, we'll be in the States until the Canadian government allows teams to come play up here. This is arguably one of the rare times where, where I think a manager w was, was probably more popular or more recognized than, than the players. Uh, and you've arguably lost your, your biggest marketing tool now. It might be a moot point since you're not going to be playing in Montreal, it seems. But, but um, I, I, I guess just how deep does this, does this loss, uh, this departure affect the organization, do you feel? Well, it, it affects us in the sense that we, I think we were on our way to creating something very special. I think Olivier spoke to his relationship with Thierry and, and uh, it was a very, uh, it was a type of relationship that was, uh, uh, was, was very strong and also uh, was very promising. Um, and obviously it's going to hurt from that standpoint. Now, uh, obviously it, the, 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 the task now is to find someone that comes in and, and, and has that similar mentality and, and, and understands the philosophy and identity of our club and can come in seamlessly. Uh, outside of that, listen, it's, of course it's a loss when you lose a, a person like Thierry Henry, who's a football legend known worldwide and is associated with your club. The thing is, he'll always be associated with this club. Uh, he was coached for a year and always, he'll always be a, a, former, uh, a former coach. Um, uh, now it's up to us to, uh, to take what Olivier has done in the past year in terms of, of reworking a club that he inherited. Uh, and and building uh, what we've been talking about since his arrival and seeing those results on the field. And I think that uh, will bring us far greater, I think, um, 
uh, of a of a uh, of a connection with with our fans um, uh, than uh, than uh, Sierra at least locally. So Montreal CEO Kevin Gilmore and Sporting Director Olivier Renard are just talking about the, I guess, shocking decision of Thierry Henry resigning from CF Montreal. I say shocking just in that we thought he was going to be going to to get a, a job with Bournemouth just a couple of days ago. But the fact that he has actually resigned without having the job, I guess, makes it a little bit more shocking. But at the same time, maybe not that surprising. Did seem to certainly come as a, a surprise to, to Kevin Gilmore, as he said there. I mean, let's just get straight into it, Steve. What what, what did you think of when when you heard the news on, on Friday that Henri had decided to, to walk away from Montreal six weeks before the season gets underway? My first thought was, uh, were they selling turf in the Montreal Stadium? <laughs> um, and then... And then... And then I thought, um, I thought it was it was a bit of a surprise. Uh, it's um, you expect. Uh, I, then I thought maybe he didn't like the rebranding that much that he'd want to leave. But uh, but other than that, I thought that he, I expected him to stay at least another year. He seems to really have short spans as coach, yeah. whether it's the club's decision or his own decision. It's but I, maybe he used family reasons as a uh, as a re, as an excuse, and it wasn't the actual reason. I don't know. You can't really uh, speculate on that because that's unfair to the person. Uh, because maybe there are legitimate family reasons that he is. Has I mean, to go. I, I genuinely would think that there are. I mean, yeah, what? to leave it this late too. If he didn't want to yeah. come back, he should. He would have left at the uh, late year. So I don't know. People questioning whether he does have family reasons or not. I don't think that's really fair. I mean, you just have to speak to anyone connected with the Whitecaps to, to know how unfair that is because of the pressure and how tough it was for these Canadian players and officials and everyone connected with the clubs that, that had to do this. And I mean, that wasn't even a full season that they had to do that for. They were basically just the MLS's back tournament. Then they had some games at home, and then you were talking maybe what three months they were down in the US. This could be a whole season that that you're looking at now. And the thing is, Zach, like Gilmore talked there about the the the, the strains and the there's there's no right time when it's family reasons. Whatever the right time is, that's the right time. And he explained that Henri had flown back to Montreal at the end of January to quarantine all set for the season but then two weeks later had to go back because his, his kids were, were missing him and really struggling w- with him not being there and going away again I mean as a father of two kids yourself and like Steve is as well I mean I'm sure you can sympathize with how difficult a situation that must be yeah uh, that, that would be hard um, and I think everything in this conversation like many or most of our conversations these days is you know, shaped by the fact that we're in, living in a pandemic world and life's not fair or not easy or difficult or whatever. And so keeping that in mind, I, I still think this is, uh, this does not look good on Thierry Henry. Like, it, it, I mean, maybe just in Montreal or Quebec or Canada or MLS world or whatever, but this really does take some shine off of all the great things he did as a player both in in Europe and even you know at Dead Bull in New York, 
to leave to to leave people kind of high and dry at this point is uh like pretty unacceptable mm-hmm. right like I, it, it and i'm and i'm not i'm not like a yeah i love Thierry or oh i hate him or like i'm not i have take him or leave him like not like as a player like i was you know he was a great player and stuff but like yeah, i yeah. wasn't my favorite or anything so i'm not like a I've never been a fan of his but i've also you know never been really like against him um other than maybe the times when byron played him but we usually crush him at arsenal but um it, it it just it's not good it's not a good look it's not a good thing um you know you he went through a whole bunch of stuff this year where he w- he would have known the feelings of his family obviously it sounds like this has just made things the situation now is just you know heightened it or whatever but like it also optics wise doesn't look good he was linked to another club it looked like he, it, it, you know as you as you talk to people and you listen to things it sounded like oh yeah there's some there's some real possibility of this happening or there's some real well um, the, the uk tabloids were pretty certain he was getting the job and i know it's like tabloids you take with a pinch of salt but this was like lead stories and well, stuff yeah but not even that like the fact that montreal right away was not there was no like montreal like no no, no he's our coach like this yeah but rubbish. gilmore said bournemouth did not approach them at any time to speak to to Henri about the, the job really because i thought i heard somewhere he did he do an interview it was rumoured that they had approached and he was going to do an interview, but Gilmore said nobody approached Montreal for permission to, to speak to him. So they're saying the Bournemouth job had nothing to do with it. It was just rumours. Yeah, b- believe that or not, I... Maybe it may be too harsh because of, the, because of the pandemic, but it just, to me, it like... Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Like it's It just it's, feels like he surrendered uh, the coaching position too easily. <laughs> I see what you did there, Steve. No, what yeah. did I do? I, uh, um, <laughs> no, but the like, thing is, though, like you look at his coaching record, though, and it's like he's not like name alone is what's going to attract clubs to appoint him because uh, you appoint Thierry Henry, you get a lot of publicity. Yeah, but but Michael, it, I know you've already done it and it's already there and whatever. But like, if we could have some outro, outro music for this section, maybe, um, like I. I know you do spend a lot of time investing in all this and I'm just saying this in the moment, but like radio heads high and dry, I think would be inappropriate. <laughs> inappropriate I just use Kasabian's club foot. Yeah. Well, you you could, you should add in high and dry, just that, that little segment from, from Radiohead. Well, um, I mean, he, he has left them high and dry. Like we, we played the audio last week from Bjorn Jonsson and from Eric Cartado, both saying, oh, we're excited to be working with Henri. But obviously with the alarm bells off, oh, neither of them had actually spoken to Henri, which is strange. Now, Renard said in his chat that all the decisions, all the hires, they were joint decisions. Henri had a say in it as well as himself. So it it was joint decisions. But now you've got the situation that whatever manager comes in, he has got a squad that is not his own. He's got an assistant manager that is not his own because they just appointed Lauren Simon this week as assistant manager. His first managerial role, he's now leading the team as the interim head coach until they can get a replacement. So he's taking training for them. He doesn't do English interviews, as I found out when I went on his conference call this week and asked him a question and he doesn't do English interviews. So we don't have any audio from that call. But, I mean, that's a difficult situation for him to suddenly find himself into. 
because he, he's now got to be the guy that runs this team. Obviously, Renard's going to help him quite a bit, but you've got a coach coming in that might not want him either as being his assistant. Well, the thing is, you're going to have to get a coach that wants this situation. You and I'm sure there are coaches out there that are willing to take on this situation. That, but it's a matter of are the. It, uh, I was about to say the impact. Uh, the 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 Montrealers are they interested in? in yeah, that it's funny you said that because one of the questions I, I edited this bit out of the audio was the guy starts by saying, "What do you think the impact is going to be?" And it's like, "Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to say that." Uh, what do you think the repercussions might be? <laughs> It's like you can still use the word impact. It's not necessarily yeah. tied to the team. Oh, you should. But it, this is this is a hard situation, right? Like Simon doesn't have coaching experience that I'm aware of or much. No. Um, and, and so he is a he is a player with a reputation for playing at a high level. So that's helpful for him. But like, yeah, if you're Montreal, it, like it, it feels like you're gonna either have to have him as an interim interim or bring in another kind of interim because this is not a time when someone's going to, I think it's going to be hard for them to get someone to come in to be like, yeah, I want to be a part of, you know, where the club is going. It's it's like, and like you said, the whole squad and all that, that those are other big issues, but like. Well, yeah, because Henri brought in a lot of forwards this off season, as we yes. talked about last show. So he's brought in the guys that wanted to play the way that he wanted to play. So you've got no guarantee that your new coach is going to want to play in the same style that Henri wanted to play. You've also got Simon now, who's a defender, trying to work out how the team's going to play. I mean, I, I think there is urgency. They've got to get an appointment done sooner rather than later. It's whether do they go for another big name? Do they go for a guy that that is embedded in the, the French community? And you, you feel that they probably will have to, to go for some someone like that. I, I don't know. I mean, another thing that was revealed there is Montreal, when all these rumours started about Bournemouth, spoke to Henri's agent to point out that if he went, they were looking for compensation. So it's kind of interesting that after that discussion was had as well, that Henri then walks a, away from the job. But I mean, I, I know the last couple of weeks we've had a lot of Montreal stuff on the show and we're kind of turning into a part Montreal podcast unintentionally but there's just been so much happening there this year and they're in a mess I really feel for for the supporters and yeah this is another situation that's going to be interesting to see how it plays out but that that's it anyway for our MLS chat for for this show not got too much more to go but Zach I believe you were wanting to to share a little something with us you guys are both good at creating segments for the show and this was not totally intentional but um, but maybe this will be a new segment for the show. And this is not an uncommon segment for sports. And I don't know where we're going with this. You so know where we're good. going. But, um, and Steve already actually made this uh, even maybe more um, uh, more meaningful or added another flavor, another element to it. But so let, maybe, Michael, if you, if you like it, we can call this segment On This Day in Football. Because uh, February 27th is a meaningful day in football. Um, as Steve mentioned, this is the day that Canada won won the Gold Cup. For some reason, in my mind it was in January, not February. But um, so yeah, the, the biggest, uh, arguably the biggest uh, accomplishment of of the Canadian men's national team. So shout out to that. It has people. It had people on it that we you know know well and appreciate. And uh, um, yeah, but the real 
that 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 day, uh, February 27, 2000, is really only uh, only comes a hundred years after the day I I want to make mention of. And of course, we're recording this on Saturday, February 27th, 2021. But on Saturday, February, or not Saturday, I don't know it was a Saturday, but February 27th, 1900 is a very special day uh, for myself and and people of my ilk. Um, what happened was uh, on this day was the day that FC Bayern München was founded. Um, oh. What happened was uh, there were a bunch of football, I think 11 footballers who were part of a um, part of a sports club or predominantly like a gymnastics club or whatever in Munich. I forget the name of it now, but um, they, I think they were not going to be allowed to participate in their league or whatever. And so they broke off to form their own sporting club, their own football club, really, so they could participate in the stuff the DFB was doing. And um, they met at a pub, or they met at a they met at a restaurant, or whatever, and they they formed this this new club that's gone on to be uh, the most successful and meaningful club in all of Germany, and arguably one of, if not one of the most successful clubs in Europe and the world. Um, and um, yeah, so that's this day in in, um, in sporting history or footballing history. Uh, I remember because on oh, I got the day. I wrote down the day for this. Uh, the day was. Uh, Saturday, October 22nd, 2011. So many, many years later, uh, when we, uh, it was, that was the last game of the Whitecaps inaugural MLS season. Uh, and after that game, we, uh, 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 I don't know, a few handfuls of us, we met at a restaurant around the corner from BC Place. Actually, the, I don't think it's there anymore, the white spot that used to be on the corner of uh, Georgia. Yeah, I think it's gone now. Yeah, we met at that white spot. And that was the kind of the birthing of Curva Collective. Uh, a bunch of us got together and um, a few of us who had been uh, thinking about things and preparing things, you know, said, hey, supporter culture is going in a certain direction and we we want to augment that or we want to do some things that are a little bit different. And and in the discussions that day, I, I think I, I think my part of the talking for that day included referencing, hey, you know, um, this is what this is how Byron was formed. A bunch of dudes got together, a bunch of people got together at a restaurant, at a pub at a place got together and kind of changed the change stuff in the, in their footballing, their, their, their culture that they wanted to, to see changed. And so. No, that's, that's interesting. The, the, a lot of the UK programs, they have a on this day section. Yeah. So it's something that's a, a big thing. So yeah, we can look at doing that. I quite like that. And then to celebrate you, neither of you guys responded to my message this morning, but to celebrate they Byron played a game. I was asleep when you said that this morning. Who sleeps when there's a game, a 6.30 a.m. Byron game? No one. Come on. Wake up. Watch the Alfonso Davies. Yeah. Um, and it was a fi- five. His wife's no- not playing just now. I don't have to get up early on Saturdays. It was a 5-1 win um, today. Who the heck? Were- oh, FC Köln. We we're playing the, the Geisbach, the Billy Goats. Ah, interestingly, one of the teams that was rumoured to be after Bruno Gaspar, as we talked about in the first part of this show. But anyway, that is it for tonight's show. Thank you for staying with us. Just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online, starting off with Steve. On Twitter at WhitecapsFeed. For me, I'm not actually on Twitter. I've been off off Twitter for a little while. I don't want to be going back, but it's at ZacharyM. I might not respond right away, but if you want to hit me up there, feel free to. I haven't been on Twitter for a long time, and it's the same thing with me. I've deleted it. uh, It wasn't meant to be a Lenten kind of thing, but I've deleted it, and I was like, okay, this will be. I won't go back until after Easter, probably. 
I meant to say in last week's show, and it's only after I put it out that I remembered that we didn't. Um, we had Jake McGrail on the show. He'll be on in some future shows down the line as well. I forgot to plug where you can find him on Twitter. So you can find him at the Jake McGrail. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. Give us a like on YouTube. AFTN Canada is our YouTube channel. Like, subscribe, turn on notifications. I keep teasing videos. There's going to be videos soon. But that is it for this week's show. As always, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon with more Whitecaps, MLS and Canadian football chat. Until then, take care, stay safe and mourn the Caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.